join Rabbit and Red Radio Network on Patreon for exclusive shows, content, swag, and more. For the low price of $2 per month, you can join the family. So check us out at patreon.com slash rabbit and red radio network one. That's patreon.com slash rabbit and red radio network, the number one. everybody to live in the past uh we i have been on a short hiatus but now i'm back but for how long i don't know uh tonight i wanted to do a episode about george lucas not just star wars but george lucas in general and uh when i thought of the, doing the show cody normal cody was the first one i thought of because he's one of the few people i know that actually like howard the duck so i figured he could do the episode with me so Thank you, uh, Cody, for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Because, yeah, I we'll get to Howard the Duck in a minute, or in a little bit, and then I can uh, uh, poke your brain to figure out why. But we'll get there. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is I'm just going to go in order of what he's done. So I'm going to start with THX 1138. Have you seen it? Uh, not, uh, not in probably close to 30 years. Okay. So but, uh, it's been almost, no, and, been and I did not see the, uh, the, uh, feature that he did with Warner brothers or they sold the Warner brothers when they, uh, him and, uh, Ford, uh, Francis Ford Coppola had Zotrope studios. Uh, I saw his original fan film. I've never, never actually okay. seen the uh, feature. Okay. See now, I've never seen the original. Not, I say fan film, his college film, rather. Yeah, I've never seen the original. All I saw was the Warner Brothers one. Um, you know, with Dennis, Donald Pleasance and Duval. Mm-hmm. That's the only one I've seen. I have now. I don't know if the orig- if they run the same time. Did he extend it? I don't know if he extended it when he did the Warner Brothers one or not, or if it's still the original. You know, length of a student film, but I never saw the student film. Unfortunately, I wish I had. Yeah, I don't even remember the running time on that. I know Warner Brothers cut the shit out of it. That uh, they cut the time down on it rather um, when they re- released it, and it was it was not financially successful for them. No, it's an odd it's an odd movie. I haven't seen it in about I'd say maybe fifteen twenty years. Um, I have very slight recollection of it. You know, with a the futuristic theme, and you know, 
that whole doom and gloom in the future thing. But uh, uh, the only thing that stands out the most in those was those, uh, I guess it looks like a precursor to like a Darth Vader stormtrooper hybrid was those robot police that used to chase them around. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes me think of Darth Vader from, you know, going forward when you look back on it, I mean it. Oh yeah. You can, you can definitely see the groundwork for star Wars and THX. Right. And then and in a little Easter egg, which I'm sure everybody knows, um, THX eleven thirty eight was the code that the Empire there was using. Um, was it Star Wars when he had to give the code? Um, but he said eleven THX eleven thirty eight. Are you there? I think that was the what they said. But I know they used uh, that. Yeah, yeah. In Star yeah. Wars, yeah. But yeah, it was it. The first time I saw THX, uh, it, it didn't click. Cause I was so young. I was like, uh, you know, and then I saw it as an adult. I appreciated it more, but it is one of those movies that the first time I saw it, I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on here. <laughs> now his next film. I really like this movie. I know I tried, I've been trying to get my wife to watch it. Uh, American graffiti. Did you see that one? Oh yes. Yes. That one. I, I love that movie to death. Um, it has, I think it has a great strong cast. For everybody being, you know, young in their first roles, I thought it was really, really good. Um, yeah, he wrote he, and directed this, this one. Got little Opie Cunningham. Yeah, and then uh, Harrison Ford makes his debut. The the, the Bob Carpenter Alpha, himself. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah and, then he actually, that, and he actually built built uh, helped build sets on the uh, for that film too, which is awesome. Yeah, and then I who the what the the other guy? Um, I don't know. A lot of people don't know the name. I don't recall. I've seen him in some movies. I just can't recall them, but the actor Paul Lamatt was in American Graffiti. Uh, yeah, the um, one with the glasses. Yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. He was a character actor for years and years and years. Um, I mean, all the way up to, I don't know if he's still living, but I mean, all the way up to, through the 2000s that I know of. I mean, he, he was just, you know, like Dick Miller. He was just that guy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the guy you see him in everything. Yeah. And I and it had a really good soundtrack too. I don't know if you're a fan of that old '50s rock and roll. That yeah, and I think that was the main selling point. I mean that George Lucas's soundtrack uh, for American Graffiti, Graffiti, I believe, did for that movie what his involvement with John Williams did for uh, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, and 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 it and it, and it was it was. This was the first movie that I ever had ever had ever seen that started off or it was just it was just a couple hours. It was just their last night. They were all going their separate ways, but it didn't yeah, take last place. Nine, ten. Yeah. And it was it was interesting to see a movie that just did it all in one time. You know, up until then, I'd seen everything, you know, well, two days later, three days later. And to see it all happen just one night, I was like, wow, this is interesting. I, yeah. I don't know if it was done before this, but this was the first time I had seen and it. And Warner Brothers actually, they actually cut a lot out of that film too. Which the interesting thing is though, uh, THX 1138, Warner Brothers cut a lot out of They cut like 10 minutes out of that film and they cut like 10, 10 or 15 minutes and re-edited part of uh, American Graffiti. And then once George Lucas hit it big with Star Wars... And Warner Brothers wanted to work with him again after that. He before he would even agree to work with them, he said, "No, you put my you fix my movies first. And he made them re-release 
THX 1138 and American Graffiti with, in, with his director's cut, his original cut of the film. See, I have, I have two copies of THX. One I inherited from my father-in-law, um, and it's the original version that was, uh, it's a, not a collector's edition or anything, so it's, I think it's got the cut, the, all the cuts in it. But I have mm -hmm. the anniversary edition that I bought many years ago. That one, I think, is when they re-edited it. And then I own American Graffiti on Voodoo, but I don't know if that version is the original cut or his cut. I'd, I'd have to look, but I'm assuming it's probably his cut because I, ju I just bought it like, you know, two months ago. Yeah, and one of the coolest things about American Graffiti is it, it was kind of like that Generation Gap movie. Uh, and I say that because of the, the time period it sit in, what it was sitting in the early 60s, you know, and, uh, well, it basically came out a decade after it, uh, or the 50s, the 50s, the late 50s, right. I think it was sit in. But, uh, you know, it, it was, it came out for the next generation. You know, basically, all the kids, it, it was basically a nostalgia movie for, uh, at the time, people in their 30s and 40s, which right. were, uh, you know, George Lucas... Let's see, 72 when American Graffiti come out. Uh, he was born in 44. So, yeah, he, he was pushing 30 then, you know. And and, and he well, basically made a lot of the film was based on his uh, teenage years in, uh, in the little town he grew up in uh, eastern California, uh, Modesto, a uh, little right. small town. And um, but But what's interesting, like I said, you know, not only it was basically a nostalgia movie, but... It it came out in a time when you know the next generation, the, those people's kids were uh, you know teenagers and and you know basically in the same walk of life as a lot of the people uh, that in the age group of the people in the film and uh, and the reason another reason I say it too is because that that's how I was turned on to the movie because I didn't know about American gra Graffiti for years. Well, pretty much till I was a teenager and I, I was a big star Wars kid. And, and of course, uh, uh, I watched a bunch of anything I could get my hands on that George Lucas did. And, and my grandparents were actually the ones that turned me on to American graffiti because, uh, you know, the cars and the music and everything, and it resonated with them. And I finally got around to watching it. Uh, I think it was already probably driving age by the time I did. And uh, and I just immediately fell in love with the movie and I understood why they loved it, too, you know, because it was from their youth. Right. And, and like you said, when you mentioned his youth, if, you know, based around his youth, um, he almost died in a car accident when he was racing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, no, yeah, he so wasn't. He, he wasn't even racing when he got in the accident. He, he was actually. Basically, basically in his own drive, the driveway to his parents house. He was oh, coming okay. home. Yeah, he was within. His mother actually heard the crash. Okay. Yeah, and I thought uh, he, just, I thought he was racing. So he, he had just got. So someone just hit him when he was. He'd just been to, out to town, cruising around town. Well, they did, cru you know, cruising around town, getting doing a little street racing, and was on his way home. And uh, I don't know if he was speeding or what, but another car struck him. T bone, okay. T boned him. I guess run a stop sign or something. And his car rolled like seven or eight times. Uh, he was actually pronounced dead at the scene. 
See, well, I didn't by, know about that. By the officers, yeah. But what oh. it was is his rib, cra- rib cage was crushed and his lungs were both deflated so they, they didn't think he was breathing. So they just uh, they mm. called him in as dead. And then once they got... Once they got him to the uh, morgue, uh, the, immediately said, this, "This guy ain't dead." <laughs> you know, so he just it's was, a good thing. He, he was just barely, bra- yeah, no kidding. So I yeah, mean, we wouldn't be, yeah, Star Wars almost ended right there, yeah, yeah. They, they goodness, the me uh, passed uh, his medical, so he because the cop. I, I mean, I guess you could see his chest not rising, but he figured the cops would have checked his pulse and been like, "There's something here." Yeah, well, or a very weak pulse, or I mean, who knows what the guidelines were back then. Um, true. But, That's uh, yeah. true. Yeah. He's not awake. Wait, he I must re- be dead. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. But I liked it. I liked how, you know, this was, you know, it it was a person, it was a story about people, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I think one of the guys in the movie, this wasn't it, it was Korea. Wasn't he going into the military? They were all worried about him and upset that he uh, chose yeah, that to go Yeah, that was the, the, the guy, the character actor guy, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, don't go into... Yeah, yeah. You know, somehow yeah. I had forgotten that Richard Dreyfus was in this movie, too. Yeah, he was... Yeah, I, I don't Richard know why Dreyfuss. I didn't remember that. You know, I remembered Opie, and I remembered that guy that I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> and, of right. course, Harrison Ford. But uh, for some reason, Richard Dreyfus is the best buddy. Uh, I don't remember what his name was in the movie, but... Uh, yeah, I'd forgot all about him being in it, which I haven't I haven't seen the movie in some time, but uh Yeah, I, I hadn't seen it. I need long- to revisit it. Yeah, I hadn't seen it in a long time and it was on sale for like three ninety nine on Voodoo. I said, Well, I'm dumb if I pass this up. So I bought it and I'm trying to get my wife to watch it. And she says she will, but then she says she won't, and then she says she will. So, you know, I'm at the mercy of whenever she decides it's worth her time to watch it. So women what am i gonna do (laughs) so but yeah that was uh, that was i think that was it's not my favorite george lucas movie but i think if i had been you know i mean i was alive in 73 but i was only two so i wasn't making decisions on what i could watch Mm -hmm. but i think if i had been alive then this probably would have been my well if i had been aware at the time this probably would have been my first george lucas this probably would have been my first movie that he did that was one of my favorites I mean, it's a favorite now, but, you know, since I saw Star Wars first, you know, nothing can, for some stupid reason in my mind, Star Wars can, can't be beat by anything. I mean, like anything. I mean, the the greatest, the, the sky could open up and the greatest movie of all time could come down from the heavens. And I'd be like, but Star Wars is still better. But, yeah. you know, that's, I guess that's a personal issue that I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, now we'll move on to 77. Uh-oh. Halloween 6. Halloween, uh, Star Wars is still better. Too bad Donald Pleasance wasn't in any of the Star Wars movies. But I digress. you know, I could have seen, totally could have seen him as Grand Moff Tarkin. I think he could have pulled yeah. it off. Yeah, you know, I like Christopher uh, Christopher Lee. I like Peter, uh, Cushing? Chris, Peter Cushing. I like his. I like the job he did. But sometimes I have thought about if Donald Pleasance had been in uh, either had played uh, him or. Obi-Wan. I've always put him in those two, but I think he would have done better as Tarkin than he would have Obi-Wan. I, I never thought about Obi-Wan. Yeah, he totally could have pulled Obi-Wan off. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of glad he didn't because even though I love Alec Guinness to death, I think Ewan McGregor played Obi-Wan better than the guy who originally played Obi-Wan. 
I don't know. Uh, I very rarely will I say anything positive about the prequels, but I I will agree with that. He Ian McGregor was the high point of uh, the prequels for me. I mean, he said he studied so many films of Alec Guinness that uh, you know he he so he could get down the you know the beer twirling and it's like he must you know he did an excellent job. I mean, if if I didn't know how DNA worked, I'd be like, you know, is he, he related? Yeah, he, he was. He was Obi Wan Kenobi. I mean, he right. He so did now, uh, justice to say yeah. the least to that role. So now we'll move to a New Hope, which back in our day it was just called Star Wars. Yeah, um, from ninety seventy seven. Now I remember a long I, the first time I showed it to a younger a person that was younger than me. Um, I didn't show it to him first time we had watched it together. And he's I was like, I remember when it didn't used to say the new hope. And he looked at me. Oh, it's always said that. I said, no, no, it hasn't. Um, the very <laughs> the, the original crawl didn't say anything. No, and the, like the original VHS copies and stuff. The, the, the first ones I ran into, you know, I, I didn't know. I didn't know the tagline. I, uh, shit, you know, probably till the 90s. You know, and I was a huge Star Wars fan in the late 80s uh, whenever I was a kid. Right. And it, it, my mom stood in line or, or well, she I don't know if she stood in line because I have a recollection of being in line to get in. But I don't know if she went and bought the tickets first. But I remember staying in line outside uh, at the theater in Georgia where she took me. Um, it was opening weekend. And I remember standing outside for the longest time. Um, it's not full memories, just bits and pieces. I remember standing forever and then her holding me part of the time. And when I got older, she did tell me we stood outside for one showing because I don't know. I don't know if you're originally from Missouri. Yeah. But in, in the part of where I grew up in Georgia, um, it was still modernized, but it wasn't theaters only had like two screens. It's not like nowadays. Where oh yeah. Can show, you know, 15 movies. So you would have to wait, you know, something popular, you'd have to wait outside until the showings, if it, you know, and then you could go in. So I remember standing outside. So that's why I don't know if she bought the tickets before or if we bought them then. But I did stand outside for two hours to get in. But when I saw that movie, I know a lot of people say the same thing. And so it's kind of cliche. But the moment that ship came over, you know, I was like, okay, this is for me. This is the movie that opened my eyes to sci-fi, and I haven't looked back since. I love science fiction more than horror, but I I, I love horror, but I love science fiction just a little more. See, you've got a few years on me, so I kind of had a... I was kind of bitter about the whole Star Wars thing, because by the time I really was old enough to get into Star Wars, I was born in 80. So, you know, Jedi was in 83, so by the time I'm old enough to really kind of start realizing what Star Wars is and getting into it is about the time it was really starting to die off in pop culture. And, and I mean, you could, the toys weren't on the shelves anymore. You know, about, probably about 86 was when I really uh, started getting into Star Wars. And uh, yeah, the, so I, I was kind of very bitter about that because I couldn't find, you know, I was so into this thing and I couldn't find anything about it i mean you could you could still rent the movies on vhs but i mean all the the merchandising had died out and uh and, and i was so into this and just it was nowhere <laughs> right 
So you missed out on all the fun stuff like C3PO cereal and all that oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was it was it was weird. Uh I got for Christmas, my mom bought me a pack of the original Kenner figures at service merchandise for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I remember opening the package up and being like, "Oh my god, I got Star Wars figures." I opened the box, all there was in there was a card saying that the figures were coming soon and they were sorry for the inconvenience. But they, you, you, my mom had to eventually take this back to service merchandise to get the figures. But they didn't want, in their eyes, they didn't want to disappoint children on Christmas. So I don't know. I would have been, I was more disappointed that I got an empty box. Empty than case. I no kidding. Yeah. 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 yeah so I, I, but I yeah, have the, uh, the Darth Vader, uh, character case. Uh, that's oh, like the bust okay. of Darth, Darth Vader. Yeah. Uh, or I hope I still have it. Um, it's in storage someplace, I think. But uh, but I got lucky with mine. Uh, that was one of the few things that actually worked out as far as being a Star Wars fan uh, at my age. Uh, because, uh, like I said, it, it wasn't popular anymore. And one of the uh, my mom's co-workers, their kid, had just wasn't interested in anymore, was a few years older than me, and it lost interest in it. And they said, well, here, you just... I asked my mom, do you, will your kid play with any of these? I'm just looking, I'm, I'm going to throw them away otherwise. So I got, I got uh, like 50 uh, action figures, the Darth Vader case, the uh, Millennium Falcon, and uh, a couple of other things too. But uh, so that was all. And that just like fueled my uh, already big, fandom i had going for star wars at the time anyway see that's the other thing that has stuck with me all my life i collect okay they're collectibles i'm an adult now so they're they're adult collectibles but i buy adult collectibles all the time i'm pops all sorts of stuff and this is what star wars did to me because my mom every time i saw something she'd get it oh there's yoda okay hey this yoda has a different color snake okay i'll get it for you I had the AT-ATS, I had the Death Star, I had everything. And it was like, I had Star Wars on the brain. And it did, it, it has never oh, yeah. gone away. And 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 the movie, it, I just like the space, when I first saw it the first time, obviously I didn't understand the story. I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. Good morning, Carrie. Good um, morning, Carrie. Tell our top of the morning to you. That was, that was I almost never, Australian. I, Yes, it was like a hybrid. Yeah, yeah Australia yeah. and, and uh, Irish. Yeah, um, he. But I never, I didn't understand what's going on. So it was just the excitement of the battles and and oh yeah, uh, the, the special effects that you haven't yeah had never seen before. Right, because I mean, I was like in all in the aliens. I mean, I was in all the aliens because every alien I had seen up to that point was on television. You know, you had your aliens that were in like the Outer Limits and reruns and Twilight Zone reruns and Star Trek. But they were like, for some reason, my brain didn't register that Star Wars ones were in suits. For some reason, I could see makeup lines and this, that and the other on uh, on the uh, on the on the old 50s and 60s aliens. But for some reason, yeah. in Star Wars, I was like, I mean, I knew they weren't real but I couldn't figure out why they looked so real. Yeah. Yeah. And when looking back, like the Cantina band and all that, you know, it, it's not necessarily, I don't think that the special, the, the, 
the mask and the, the aliens were so much better than what we'd seen before, but they, they were so different and, and such a variety. And then when I got older, looking back on it, you know, I was curious about some of those, uh, you know, why, you know, why didn't Lucas ever, you know, give us more of those aliens? There's like a one-off, you know, just, yeah. you know, like the one that looked like a vampire, the one that looked like a bat. It was like, I wish I could have seen more of the aliens, but from what I understood, he wished he had been able to put more aliens into the, Oh yeah. He wanted cantina the cantina scene. to be much bigger than it actually was. It was, it was definitely budgetary uh, constraints. Right. Now, did you, when you first saw it, did you, did you, you went away too? Just, okay, this is for me. Or did it only take one time? And it was the ABC Sunday night movie. <laughs> and, so you uh, remember exactly where you saw it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was probably about six, maybe seven. And uh, yeah, I was just even seeing that cut down TV version. I'm like, yeah, this, this is for, this is for me. <laughs> Now, did you go back in the 90s when they did the re-release in the theaters? Did you go back and watch it? Have you seen the original in the theater? I have not. Okay, and I, I know when he far enough uh, out of, uh, uh, well, St. Louis is like three hours away from me. That, But, uh, you know, there's nothing really big enough, No, no specialty theaters or anything. Nothing that was really playing the uh, the re-releases, so uh, I didn't get to catch them, and okay. and I was kind of hesitant on it too, because you know the 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 trilogy I knew I, it was so near and dear to me, it was perfect in my eyes. So I was like, why? Well, I don't understand. I didn't really understand why he was doing okay this. I'm like, I, I don't, and I I still haven't watched. Uh, at least not the entire trilogy. I've seen bits and pieces, but uh, like I've looked up just the the differences between the two, and and all this added in CGI. I think if he would have done it like now with the technology that uh, ILM has now, I think it would be friggin' amazing. But I, I think from what I've seen, the uh, the the CGI they inserted into a lot of the scenes. Most of it took away, actually took away from the films for me. Yeah, I didn't like the like the whole scene where they inserted Jabba in the in, yeah because in, in, in the original one we never saw that Han just they just left the stormtroopers came in and they just took off but we never saw him talk to Jabba. I know they filmed it with a big heavy set man with like a yeah like I've a seen that, yeah, that type, scene. but but when they for the special edition they actually put Slug Jabba in there. And you know, I just oh god, when right. he steps over the tail, it looks so bad. Oh yeah, the, so the jump they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a see. I I'm grateful. I don't have the. I have the originals on VHS, but I didn't for the longest time. They're another thing I inherited from my uh, father-in-law. But I did get the original Star Wars when they they re-released the special edition many years ago on DVD. And on the second disc, they released the original, the original, uh, the three originals, theatrical cuts. And yep. Lucas said, this is the one and only time I'm going to release the theatrical cuts. He didn't clean them up. They're not, they're just, they're in their reg original 2.0 mono. 
So mm. he said, I'm, I'm releasing it because everybody wants it, but I'm never going to release them again. And I guess Disney took it to heart, too, because I thought for sure Disney would try to re-release the original theatricals. For and they're just losing money by did. not doing that. That, that that's actually blows my mind that they haven't done that yet. Right. Because there's a whole generation of Star Wars fans who grew up on those films. Yeah. Yeah. Who would appreciate it. Yeah. And some of the younger people nowadays might be able to be like, you know, I would like to see what my grandfather and my father saw for the first time. Yeah. But they're just holding on to it. Like, you know, I I don't get it. When it comes to Disney, I don't I don't get anything they do anymore. Yeah. Right. But we'll get to that later on. Um, But yeah, the the the. I thought Princess Leia was the most, with the exception of my mom, because that's how little boys roll. Mm. I thought Princess Leia was the most beautiful one I had ever seen. I thought um, she was way hotter than my mom. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, you said you said you didn't live near it. So, have you lived out in the boonies all your life? Pretty much, pretty much. Okay. I, I grew up on a cattle ranch, uh, and uh, I still live right next to it. Okay, so as southern as I am, you're a little more southern than me. I still, I grew up in Georgia, but I grew up on the, you know. I, I don't know. Being a Georgia boy, you might have me be. <laughs> well, I don't know about you. The only thing, the only thing that I was raised to stay away from when I was growing up in Georgia was Alabama. That was the only thing, you know, <laughs> you know, like they used to tell me the best, the, the, the best thing about, the best thing about Alabama is 20 East. I was like, why? Because that's coming home. So, you know, I don't know how people in Missouri feel about you know, because you're a little bit farther. Right? You're not neighbors with Alabama. No, no, we're we're Mason Dixon line people here. I'm actually I'm actually like I live like a mile from the Arkansas Missouri state line. Okay, okay. So yeah, I'm right. Yeah, I was on just it. I was just talking to my wife about that earlier. I, she said something. She goes, "What time zone is Cody in?" I said, "Well, he's in Missouri." So she goes, "Don't talk like a redneck." Because <laughs> I didn't say Missouri. I said Missouri. Yeah, I just called the state of misery. <laughs> can't be that bad but then again no no it's there, not so I, I i'm still here so i mean my family's been here in this part of the country for close to 200 years so there must be something good about it well off the subject for a minute when you when you when you got those uh deer that you sent me the picture of um were you like on your own property can you like hunt yeah. right just okay see now that's the life you don't like here in wisconsin i like I to live, think so <laughs> If I wanted to go hunting, I'd have to go, you know, an hour or two north and try to find a public, you know, hunting ground. At yeah. least you have, you know, so that's what I would like to do. Maybe yeah, one and worry day, about getting you know. shot at. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got hunting <laughs> shacks set up, uh, uh, gun houses all over the property, and it's it's just pretty nice. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been hunting since I left Georgia. It's one of those things that you know I miss. I didn't miss being inaugurated though. My uncle had a Weird ah, I gotta know. hear. I gotta hear the story. So we're up in the we're up in the up in the tree, and I had never been hunting before. And he just gave me the rifle and said, "Here you go." I said, "What do I do?" He goes, "I got it all ready for you. Just pull the trigger." He let me stand there all goofy, and I knocked myself out of the tree stand because I wasn't holding oh. the. And I and you know I said, Phew. It, "We weren't that high up. He had higher ones, so I didn't really get hurt too bad, but I did get hurt." And then when I caught, when I shot my first deer, he cut it open and he made me stick my head in there. <laughs> that, and, that's hilarious. Not, not for you, not for you, but uh, no, uh, 
my uh, my cousin uh, who grew up with me, he brought his uh, niece down this morning. This this weekend's the second weekend of uh, Missouri youth season, and I, I took my son out, and he took his niece, and uh, and she's eleven now, I think. But it, it was her first year. She she uh, shot her a little doe. But uh, that's exactly what I told her once we hung it up and had gutted it and hung it up on the skinning rack. I said, "Okay, go over, go over there and spread the, spread the rib cage apart and stick your head in." That's what you got to do. It's your first deer, you have to. And she, she was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" I have the weakest stomach in the world. I stuck my head in there. It was disgusting. It was. Uh, I came out and I just puked everywhere. They laughed and laughed and laughed, but. He's like, he looked at me and says, you're a man now. And I was like, I did, you know, I did understand it, you know. But, See, we uh, always did I, the old Native American thing in my family. Your first, your first kill, you had to take a bite out of the heart. Oh, okay. Oh, oh uh, I couldn't have done that either. <laughs> oh, oh. For one, it must, I know, now I haven't, I've never bitten into a heart, but from what I hear, it tastes like a penny. Did it, did it, did it, do you remember, does, does, does it taste real copper-like? I know, hell no, I wouldn't do it. But uh, oh, okay. But no, we, we, I have ate, I have eaten their deer heart uh, before and uh, fried deer heart, and it's it's not bad. It, I would equate it to liver. Oh, okay. Now, I don't like yeah, liver. Of course, just a. Re- I, I'm not a big liver fan either, and I I didn't care for it very much. But yeah, it's very. I can see where you probably get the penny taste because it's very very rich, dark yeah, and my, rich. My stepmother's. Uh, uh, mother came from the hills of. They were from a town called uh, Pumpkin Town, so you could tell they're hillbilly. They're not rednecks; they're hillbillies. Right uh, next they, to Halloween uh, Town, up in the hills of North Carolina, and uh, she was making uh, liver and onions. And I said, "I'm not going to eat that." She goes, "Well, if you're going to eat dinner here, you got to eat it." I said, "I'm not going to eat it." She goes, "I'll put enough onions; you won't be able to taste it." I said, "Granny, you can go out and get all the onions out of your garden you can find," and I st- <laughs> I'm still not going to eat that. It's like eating dirt. I said, no, I'm not. Because it's so gritty. Yeah, I'm, said, I'm not nah. crazy about liver. I, I never have been. But, I mean, if I was starving, and if you put if enough I... onions on it, I probably would, <laughs> yeah. Chop up a bunch Cause... of sweet onions and fry I'm a sucker for sweet onions. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd probably do it. So, my favorite way to have, my, my, my favorite way to eat venison is I like it to be, you know, slow cooked for a long time. And then shred it, put it back in the pot. Oh, just, just last weekend it. I did a deer roast, uh, and uh, in the crock pot. Got it. It turned out not not to pat myself on the back too much, but uh, even the kids ate it. And my kids won't eat nothing. Okay, yeah, I I love, yeah, I love deer. I I used to get you know, and I went to school in a part of town where it was still you had some city folks that had moved in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. You know where I grew up in Kennesaw, where I was living and went to school. It was kind of it was growing. So you had some kids there who got bust in from the countryside. And then you still had some of the Atlanta guys who moved in and brought their kids. So, you know, we were, I, I'd hear that. Oh, I can't believe you're killing an animal. It's like, it's an animal. I'm eating it. It's not like I'm a yeah. poacher. You know, it's, you know, I'm not killing animals just to kill and leaving carcasses. Yeah, and, and to this day, which I mean, nothing really surprises me with people anymore, but, uh, uh, you know, that they, they're like, oh yeah, you're a big. You must be a big great white hunter. You go hunting every year. I'm like, no, I'm I'm not even an avid hunter. But I, you know, growing up, this is how we kept our families fed. You know, right? We, <laughs> we grew up poor, and you know, you 
ate whatever meat you could get. And if it meant, you know, yeah, that's why I spent so much time out in the woods hunting and fi fishing and because, you know, it, it provided for the family. And, you know, I can't say over the years I haven't gathered an appreciation for it. I, I do actually enjoy it now. It's not uh, most of the time. It's not something I do just strictly to feed the family. But, I mean, you know, that's, well, like, you know, we had firearms uh, rifle se or uh, deer season here a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and you know, we, we all had a good time hunting. And then we spent a whole day just deboning and grinding and packaging meat you know it's you know it, it'll get us through the winter and that's you know that's just very common for uh uh this part of the country and rural americans yeah i told my wife one time i said i don't know what cause she's she was born and raised in chicago so she's as city mm -hmm. as you can get i said i don't know what you're going to do if the power ever goes away and we have to if you have to live off the land how are you going to survive she goes well i married you so I don't need to know any of that shit. She goes, she'll do it for me. <laughs> so I guess you're right. You know, I will. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Poor country folk. I mean, when it comes down to, you know, we don't really worry too much about the collapse of society. No, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're pretty good about that. So. All right. Well, uh, I only want to touch on this movie for just one part. Um, it was from 1979. He only wrote it. He didn't direct it or produce it. It was, more American Graffiti. Now, that movie I did not like. I don't know if you've seen it. I have, and I didn't hate it. I just noticed it, it definitely wasn't on the level of um, the original. But I, I liked it, yeah, and they, had, they still had a cameo by Harrison Ford in it. And, you know, it, it was basically, although I enjoyed it, by the time it was over, I was like, you know, that I was thinking, you know, well, we didn't really need this. I mean, it's, it's kind of right. pointless. You know, it, it didn't really do anything that the original did. You know, it was it was basically just there. Right. You know, we get to see we get to see oh, Opie and uh, Shirley and their kid, you know, but it wasn't like we didn't. Yeah, we didn't need to see it. It was unnecessary. No, no, not yeah, at the all. music um, was good, but yeah, yeah, I will give it that. But uh, and that being said, I, I still enjoyed it, you know, just seeing those characters back. But uh and just like with the, uh, I don't remember who played him, the one character that he got at the end of the first one, it, it when they were given the epilogue at the end, it said so-and-so got killed by a drunk driver in 19-something. Oh, yeah. and, and then, you know, at the end of the second one, it was the same thing. You're like, well, you know, you didn't really do anything with that character. Right. So I was just, I just wanted to bring that one up because um, <clears throat> he at least he, he, he wrote it. And I'll here in a little while, I'll get into his writing um, in a minute. But uh, now, obviously, 1980, Empire Strikes Back, which a lot of people, me included, feel it's the strongest of the originals. Um, it is. That one I, I'll agree. I'll agree. It is the strongest of the original trilogy, although and, I still have more fun with uh, Jedi. Okay, so you're more on the Jedi side. I'm more on the Empire side. But I, 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 can, I will never argue with anyone that Empire is not a better movie. It was just, it was so dark. And I don't mean, you know, dark because, you know, someone didn't turn a light on. It was just, you know, Vader was just mean, you know. We saw him choke the one guy in uh, the first one, but, you know, what did we, he do? Three chokes? He he choke, killed three people in Empire? 
I don't remember, but I mean, yeah, he was he was a bad son of a bitch, and and well, cut off his son's hand too. You know, there was that. Yeah, yeah. And they say like, you're the you're the admiral now, Piet. Don't don't let me down. And he had to step over the guy's body to leave the room. It was like, but that first time when we saw the back of his head, I freaked out. I'm like, oh, because you know, I got to see just for a moment what was underneath that. That mask. that was, was one of the like, toys I got as a kid uh, that I got given to me was his. Uh, his the changing chamber chamber yeah the uh and i used to think that yeah. was so cool and you know at that point it was like oh god what does he look like you know because you saw his, the back of his head was all mangled up looking and bald and but uh yeah that movie i mean it it definitely put an imprint i mean oddly enough was i i didn't see him chronologically i saw the original star wars and then jedi and then empire Okay, so Empire filled the gap from you saw one and then three. Oh yeah, it all made sense had, then. Yeah, yeah. Now I, now I always wonder. Now I don't know why. Maybe you know. I never, I, I never heard why he didn't direct it. I don't know if he didn't like directing or if the studio didn't like. He him didn't direct. He didn't like directing. Okay. No, he he never was a fan of directing. He, uh, uh, George Lucas, he was always a very reserved person, especially early in his career. And he, yeah, he he had told Ron Howard on the when they were doing the initial interviews after they uh, locked down the original cast for the uh, American Graffiti in their one on one meeting they had. Uh, Ron Howard had told George Lucas that he had got accepted to film school, and George said George was like, "Oh yeah, that's great, that's great." He said, "Go into animation." <laughs> going down there's so much freedom there because it's just you and your editing bench and you don't have to deal with any actors and rod's like oh great yeah he this guy fucking hates actors which he didn't hate actors but he just right you know he just because it boggles i mean we'll get to this in a minute but i'll have to bring i gotta bring it up it's weird how he did such a great job in my opinion of directing uh, the first Star Wars, I don't know what went wrong with the prequels. I don't, I mean, I don't, we'll get to that here in a minute, but it's always boggling my mind. I, how okay, I'm anxious to, I'm anxious to get into that because that was, uh, you know, a very pivotal moment in my life, uh, in, uh, yeah, we'll, 99. When, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. But for Empire, I was just, I was in awe of the, you know, because just the whole, it wasn't violent, but it was violent, you know, not like what we, you know, when someone says, was it a violent movie nowadays? They're picturing guns and blood and guts everywhere. But, you mm. know, with him, you know, with him killing, and, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's that that's not the kind of violence that, you know, but it was still violent, you know, for someone my age, you know, it was, it was I was almost 10. So it was like, you know, I hadn't seen. Oh, the first yeah, one. I remember, you know, just by the time the end credits roll on Empire, uh, I just remember having like a pit in my stomach, you know, it was like, Oh my God, what did I just watch? I mean, like you said, he cut off his hand, but before he cut off his hand, he was throwing everything, you know, force moving everything and beating the crap out of Luke. You know, I'm surprised he didn't die from getting hit with the yeah. flying equipment. Then, you know, it was just, it was brutal. And then when he was in that bucket tank there at the end, getting his, you know, it, or in the, it, he was all, you know, black eyed and bruised with putting his hand together. It's like, oh, I was like, 
it was just I couldn't believe how violent it was for what I had seen from the previous movie. Yeah. So yeah. the worst you saw the worst you saw in that one is he choked the guy, but he didn't kill him. And and the one guy in the cantina had lost his arm. That was as far as the violence went, you know. Stormtroopers getting shot. Yeah, not to mention that. Han Solo getting frozen carbonite. You're like, is he dead or is he not dead? I mean, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. I mean, hell, he blew he blew the crap out of uh, C-3PO, turned him into, you know, a bunch of little parts. Oh, that too. The, uh, yeah, there were, <laughs> looking back on it now, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, my God, there were so many scarring moments for a kid in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's why, you know, I mean, I, I can't put my finger on why I like this one more. I don't know if it's the darkness or the fact that I got to see Vader's my favorite character. So I don't know if I got it was because I got to see him more often, um, you know, but it's just I mean, we got to see him use the force a lot in that one. You know, he deflected all the laser blasts and beating the crap out of Luke, you know, before then he was just choking people, you know. So at least, you know, we got mm-hmm. to see a little bit of, you know, the force in action. But I just I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if I'm if you know if I've just been influenced by all the people over the decades who have said it's their favorite, so it's just sunk in that maybe that well, is my thing. It was just packed from start to finish. It had such a variety of sceneries and like I said, all the new force stuff. It, it just built so much off of the first one. And I mean it 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 basically laid down George Lucas laid down the textbook of what a sequel should be. Right. And and very few have been able to even come close to duplicating that over the years, I think. Right. Well, I mean, you look at like Lord of the Rings. I mean, I love the movies, but that whenever there's a trilogy, it always seems that middle movie is so slow. And you're like, ugh, because they're like, oh, we're building up. We're building up. But Empire didn't build up. It was just there. It started off with a battle and it ended with a battle. And it was like it wasn't slow moving at all. It. I don't know how you feel, but when I watched when I watch the original Star Wars movies, I'll say um, they don't I'll sit down and watch them. I know they're almost two hours. It doesn't feel like two hours. They move so fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the new ones, when they say two and a half hours, you're like, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. <laughs> yet, yet. Terrifier 2 did not feel like a two hour and 15 minute long movie or whatever it was. And over two hours, no, it, movie. Moved, it moved kind of quickly. And it moved I, I quickly. Just, I'm still, my mind is still boggled by it. I've watched it twice now and my mind, I, I, I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, but, uh, but I, a slasher's 80 to 90 minutes, you know, that's, right. that's what a slasher is. And then they made one that was almost an hour longer than that. And it felt like an 80 to 90 minute slasher. And I'm still in disbelief on how that happened. Right. It's, I think it's magic in a bottle. I don't know if it's going to be duplicated. Yeah. I think it was just one of those right time, right moments. I mean, unless you can capture it again in a sequel, I don't know. But I don't. Hollywood now wants to. I saw someone write it. Uh, one of the presidents of, I think it was Warner Brothers or somebody said, we need more horror movies. So let's put some money in the budget for horror movies. If they can do it, we can do it. But you're not going to do it. You're going to do it, but it isn't going to be the same. Yeah. It's just going to be. a. It's that thing, you know, 80s. Horror movies were big. Everybody's going to the video store getting horror movies. Then the, then the late 90s came and Hollywood started doing horror movies. And then the popularity went down because they weren't as good as the yeah, 80s. Yeah, which it movies. all ties back that that ties back to George Lucas. The the whole reason after doing THX uh, that he didn't want to do uh, 
work with the studio anymore, which he didn't. He didn't wasn't even necessarily working with the studio when he made THX. It was him and Francis Ford Coppola's uh, production company, uh, Zotrope Studios, and uh, and they just had a deal with Warner Brothers. And still, even that, they had a several like a four picture deal, and and Warner Brothers, they they did a viewing of the film. And and they hated it and cut a bunch out of it, and and then it bombed. And then they, because it bombed, Warner Brothers dropped their entire deal with Zotrop Studios. And and ever right. since then, George Lucas like you know fuck this shit. I'm you know I'm <laughs> I'm doing it on my own. Right, which and it, and it paid off because um, oh yeah, Fox didn't own it. They were just the they were. I don't know how their deal was, but they were like the exclusive distributor of the Star Wars films, mm-hmm. but they didn't own them. I mean, they made a lot of money off of them, too, but he was smart not to sell, you know, and the way it could have. I mean, it could have gone either way, you know, from 77, you know, they could have they could have put him in a box and forced them to, you know, well, the only way this is going to see the light of days, if you, but he held his ground and they released yeah. it anyway. And and we wouldn't. A lot of people, you get, you got some fans who hate Lucas. You got some fans who love him. You got outsiders who, you know, aren't, who watch the Star Wars movies, but they're not like huge fans. You know, they have their, he, George Lucas has a love hate relationship with everybody, it seems. But he did, he did a lot more than just Star Wars movies. I mean, we wouldn't have Jurassic Park if he didn't have ILM. I mean, we would have yeah. maybe eventually had it, but it wouldn't have been, you know, if he wasn't focused so much on special effects. You know, we might not be as far advanced. You know, we may just start. We may have just started getting the Jurassic Park movies in the two thousands. But he put so much money and effort into ILM. And that, yeah, that was his, and that was part of his determination to be able to just do it all himself in house, so he could tell the. And like you said, you know, it it wasn't an ego thing or anything. He said he just, you know, wanted to be able to tell the stories he wanted to tell without any interference, and it was right. just as simple as that. Which I mean, so, you gotta admire him for that. Yeah, I, I don't have. I still, I do too have a love hate relationship with him. I, I love him more than I hate him. But oh yeah, you know, we'll, definitely. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that too. There, and it's not just the prequels that has me a little bit angry with him. I'm sure you'll feel. I don't know. I'm assuming you're gonna feel the same way as me when we get to that part. But <laughs> now, we'll see. I guess. Yeah. Now in 1981, he wrote a movie. And got together with his buddy Steven and did Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. I love that movie. I'm, I'm a big Raiders. Okay, this, this I love may Indiana not be Jones. popular opinion. I don't know if it is or not, actually. But I'm I'm a uh, Temple of Doom guy. See, I did Temple of Doom was another one. Like, like I, we were just talking about how dark Empire was. Temple of Doom was just as dark as Empire. Yeah, oh god. Even pulled the guy's heart about out. Scarring stuff for a small <laughs> kid, you know, 6-year-old me seeing a guy get his heart ripped out. You know, like, holy shit, this is well, PG-13, that was the first PG-13 yeah. movie. Because yep. uh Steven Spielberg went to the MPAA and petition petitioned the MPAA to create a new rating because they were going to give it an R rating and uh, he didn't want to have an R rating. But uh, yeah, a- that that movie I watched, that was one of them. Uh, that in uh, Batman 1989, I wore the VHSs out. I, every day when I'd come home from school for like a year, or it seemed like a year, I, I, I'd watch yeah. it every day. 
the Batman one I wore out. Now I'm I go back even further. I had a beta machine. Do you remember the beta tapes? Yeah, yeah, my were, uh, yeah, my parents had a beta. Yeah, yeah. I had Friday. The they 13th. only had two movies for it too. They had oh, only two. Yeah, they had the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, those are still good movies. At least they had yeah, good movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I had a Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Uh, Jason Lives. For some reason, when I was a kid, teenager, I loved it. It was so campy. And it had the Alice Cooper soundtrack. Oh, that's, really loved that's it. the ultimate. If you're going to, well, uh, that was the first Friday film I showed my oldest daughter when she was four oh. or five. And and uh, I started a tradition with her every Friday the 13th. Uh, well, now well, then I have five kids, but uh, we always watch Friday the 13th part six on uh, on Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite one. And I actually uh, wore out two, not just one, but two. Uh, beta tapes. I remember the first time I put it in there and it was stretched and it was just moving slow and just I was like, oh, so I, I had to get another copy. So I like to dub stuff. So I had dubbed it for my cousin. So I went and I got his copy of mine that I made him so I could get it, make another <laughs> copy of it. But I wore that movie out. I love that movie to death. I just, you know, it was just, it was an awesome. That, that, that's my, I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's the campy. No, I like it. I thought six was the Six is my favorite yeah. one. Out not of, not out all of the all humor work, but like you said, the Alice Cooper soundtrack, and it's it's the closest thing that we ever got to a kid friendly Friday the Thirteenth film. Right, and my kids I love mean, it for that because of the campiness. Yeah, and uh, when he's driving around in the Winnebago, he said, oh, "Don't start without me back there. What are you doing?" You know, and she's did the whole outside the now. Yeah, I mean, have, have you seen the fan films, the uh, Vengeance? Uh, one and two, Friday Thirteenth Vengeance. No, I haven't. Are they on YouTube? Oh, yes, yes. Now the first one, they got uh, because they got um, shit. Jason from uh, the guy who played Jason in Part Six. Hotter, hotter. No, uh, yeah, Kane. No, Kane Hotter uh, came Kane in seven. Didn't come until seven. Uh, C.J. Graham. C.J. Graham. Okay. They got him back to play Jason's father, Elias Voorhees. Uh, oh, okay. For it, and uh, the first one, it's kind of clunky. I wasn't a huge fan. I I, I like the uh, uh, the other big Friday Thirteenth fan film, Never Hike Alone. I like I like it better than the first Vengeance. But the new Vengeance they came out with here last month, they they got they got C.J. Graham back. Okay. And they also, they got uh, the girl, that's what made me think of it, the girl in the Winnebago that was with Court that gets her head smashed into the wall. Yeah. She comes, that actress comes back for it. Uh, oh, okay. Well, in the first one, they had, um, um, shit, Friday the 13th, part two, Jason. Steve, uh, shit, I don't know who played him in Warrington Gillette played him in the scene where he jumps through the window, and and he got credited, although it was um, the other guy who did it all. Yeah, yeah, that did. Uh, Steve Dash, Steve Dash. Okay. But uh, the, yeah, he did all the stunt work and stuff, and played him throughout the rest of the movie, and um, and he was in Vengeance. Of course, sadly, he passed away before Vengeance Two was filmed. And uh, they do a really nice tribute to him, and they even bring back for 
pretty much like the last, it's a feature length film, but for the last probably about 10 minutes of the film uh, in the, the third act, they bring back Tom Matthews as Tommy Jarvis. Oh man. Okay. And it's, to, it's great. It's great. He has a, he has a final showdown with Jason and it's uh and you, the whole time you got uh, the guy who played Jason in part six right there too. Uh, and uh, like I said, the girl that, uh, the girl that got her head smashed through the wall and the RV, she's in it. And it even has, uh, uh, shit, what's her name? The Tamara Glenn, the blonde chick from Halloween five. She's in it too. Oh, okay. But yeah, they, they do, they have Tom Matthews do a really nice tribute to, uh, Steve Dash at the, uh, end of the film. And, uh, oh, um, not, how am I forgetting? Uh, the, uh, um, the director of, uh, part six, uh, Tom McLaughlin, he plays a part in, in vengeance oh, okay. too yeah he plays a pretty big part in it yeah because the first time i saw six the very first i did you know the very first person i recognized was at the beginning because i used to be a avid tv watcher as a kid and i remember horshack from welcome back cotter yeah yeah and yeah he was right there in the beginning with him got his heart i was like okay I know I'm gonna like this movie i just know it and I yeah sure and enough, Tom matthews was just coming off return of the living dead Yep. So he was he was a household name at the time. Did you? I, I, I want to ask you this: When you saw Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead Two, did you like how they had Tom Matthews and uh, all them playing different characters in the second movie, but having the same kind of thing happen to them? Did you know? Did, I did, did actually you like saw. The way they did that? I saw Return of the Living Dead Two first. And I didn't see the original Return of the Living Dead till years later, so it didn't really phase me. Oh, okay. I remember, I think I remember thinking, you know, at after watching the when I finally did get to see the first one, I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. They're all in the yeah. sequel. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I, it. As I got older, I, I thought it was cool, but at first, I was like, you, I'm like, what? Because the first time I saw Return of the Living, here's the funny, here's the funny story. My grandparents lived in live well they're not alive anymore they lived in kentucky and me and my cousin would go visit them every summer and there was a local video store a mom and pop store and my grandfather would take us every friday to get weekend movies mm -hmm. and i rented return of the living dead because like everybody else the 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 cover of the vhs was all i needed to see oh yeah well so we're sitting there now he my grandparents lived in elizabethtown which is about mm -hmm. 35 miles south about 35 miles south of Louisville. So when the movie starts, it says based on a true story. And then it said Louisville, Kentucky. So we're like, oh, this is awesome. This movie, this took place here. Then we see all the zombies and everything. We're looking at it, me and my cousin. We're looking at each other like, eh, this can't be, this can't be real. And then when they nuked the city at the end of the movie, I was like, yep, it's definitely not real. <laughs> <laughs> But it was like it was like really weird. And then obviously now I've gotten older and Shout Factory re released it. I didn't even know the whole movie was filmed in California. It was never filmed in Kentucky yeah. any, at any point in time. So it's like uh it's like the whole Toronto. You everybody films in Toronto because it can be New York, it could be Los Angeles, it you know, it could be Atlanta because it's that generic looking city. Yeah. So but yeah, but yeah, I would just I just my grandfather was like, oh, this is based on a true story. And then like 20 minutes later, he was sound asleep. Me and Jennifer on the floor, wide awake, you know, loving the movie. And he's back there sleeping. My grandfather was that guy that you, you would sit there for, let him sleep about an hour, hour and a half. 
Then you change the channel. The first thing you hear, oh, I was watching that. Don't don't change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, you that, that's it. my grandfather all the way. Uh, my, my grandparents raised me, and whenever I was a teenager and going out of the, got to where I was driving age and going out of the night. Yeah, I'd I'd come in a lot of times to the night and uh, and uh, have a pallet made in the floor, and I'd uh, I'd just go pass out there and reach up and turn the TV off. And yeah, granddad, you know, nine out of ten times uh, uh, he'd say I'd hear that after I turned the TV off and it was dark. A few seconds later, like, hey, I was watching that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay. Yeah, it. There was a few things that you know I would watch with him. Um, you know I like he watched. He was a CBS man, so we, we were always watching. Uh, diet, diet, diagnose. I can't even pronounce the word. Diagnosis, diagnosis murder. murder. Dick Van Dyke. Mur- yeah. Yep. Murder. She murder. Wrote. She wrote. Yeah, we just lost Angela Lansbury here yep. not very long ago. And then we would watch. Uh, Matlock had to have. Matlock. Had to watch Matlock. Gotta have Matlock. Yeah. And then when it came to cop shows, it was uh, Hill Street Blues, and he really loved Jim Garner, so uh, Rockford Files. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we were so. a uh, T.J. Hooker house. Oh, okay. I think. <laughs> okay. And then Saturday afternoon, no matter what, it was always Westerns. I don't know if it was the way he liked it or if it's just because all the networks, the UHF channels on the weekends had this thing where they'd show Westerns in the afternoon. So that's why I love Westerns so much. A lot of people nowadays, I think I think Westerns are a lost film art now. Just nobody really does it. And not a lot. I, I love, not a lot. But, no. uh, you know, it, I mean, I everything goes in cycles. I'm sure they'll come back. I mean, I, 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 love, I love a good Western, you know. Like, which, which basically right now, I mean, kind of, when you think about it, superhero movies are kind of like the modern day Westerns for people, yeah. you know, that. They don't have to. A lot of the old westerns really weren't that good of films, but right. people were in love with cowboy movies, and uh, and it's the same way with superhero movies now. So many of it. And I was a comic book kid, but so many uh, the Marvel, MCU, and DC movies. I just uh, I watch. I'm like, wow, that there goes two hours of my life, but. Uh, but that being said, you know, I, I understand the draw still. Right. And then, like, I, this is just my opinion. I don't know if anybody else feels the same way, but John Fevereau, the way he did uh, The Mandalorian, that feels like total Western to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not just Western, spaghetti Western. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, yeah. you know, him taking the helmet off and it being, you know, the man with no name in there or something, you know. It's Clint like, Eastwood, yeah. That'd be, yeah. That'd be a great way to yeah. end the series, you know. <laughs> they can do it. They can, they, yeah. they, they have the technology now. Yeah. So, but anyway, so back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I just, to me, I like the way Indy, it wasn't so much the movie that I like, it was the character. I liked his quit, you know, his, 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 his humor and, you know, uh, the whip and the, and, and that, the, the, the movie itself, sometimes it's a chore to watch. Like, I'll be like, okay, I want to do my yearly Indiana Jones. And I'll be like, mm. I mean, the end is awesome. Don't look at the light. Don't look at the light. But it's not, I, I mean, I don't like Temple more, but it's still, sometimes it feels like a chore. But I like the indie character. It was the, it, like with yeah. the Star Wars movies, it's the whole thing. But with the Raiders of the Lost Ark films, it's to me, it's 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 just it, it's just the Indiana Jones character I like. Yeah. Um, but the third Which, one, when I, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, Indiana Jones, really, he was just that, you know, that 
transition that uh, he was that perfect marriage of 50s action star with what we came to know as the 80s action star you know it he right. was that bridge and uh, and it, that's why i think it works so well but yeah you're yeah, saying was... you're saying indiana jones 3 uh, yeah yeah that, that was my favorite I, I love it i love it i love all three of them but yeah I, that was the only one i got to see in the theater okay and uh and well, I well before I don't even want to say it on the show, but I guess I have to. But yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That that's the only time I'll say anything positive or negative about that film. It's not worth yeah. me saying anything else about. No, but uh, I I got it on my. I, it's in my notes because actually George Lucas wrote it. But I'm sure that's all going to tie into when yeah. we get to the prequels. That he was having. There was something going on in his life, and, and he broke, I guess. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, the, the Raiders, the Raiders movies. As much as I like Indiana Jones, as much as I do like watching them to an extent, I always felt that they were a little more. The people who go nuts over it and like think it's the greatest thing ever, I always thought maybe they hit their head too hard because I'm like, it's not that good. It's not bad, but it's not that good. But it does have some decent action. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, that I mean Harrison Ford, as with most roles he's played, he owns it. Yes, you know, yes. He's At least larger he... than life. Right. Well, I when I when I saw him in because we're not going over the Disney ones, um, I, and I'll explain why when we get to that part in the timeline. But when it comes to the Force Awakens, um, I could tell. Uh, uh, Harrison was just phoning it in then. He I don't think he wanted it was a paycheck. Well, he, he he's been very vocal about that, you know, he he wanted them to kill off Han and Empire Strikes Back. He he just never did get the films. And he right. to this day he still says he's st- I'll give him that. He stuck to his guns. You know, he hadn't shamelessly promoted it. He's like, I I really don't like him. He said, I'm I'm glad you like him, but <laughs> right. Because it makes me money, but I it's not my thing. But I could just tell the difference between, you know, him before and even other movies that he's done. I It just felt like I was watching a guy who, you know, it was like a shotgun wedding. You know, it had that feeling yeah. of a shotgun wedding. Like, uh, okay, million dollars. Okay. But he didn't, like, want to be there. It was but, like. But still, that moment when him and Chewie walk back oh, yeah. on the Falcon and he says, he says, Chewie, we're home. Uh I I got goosebumps. I don't know about yeah. you, but I it was a it was definitely a feel good moment. It's just uh, it was a feel good moment in a bunch of movies that had really bad moments. Well, that's the thing. I don't want to skip too far ahead, but that's the thing about that movie. The whole the whole movie, The Force Awakens, the whole movie was basically a nostalgia feel good moment. Right, and and, and it I worked feel for me for the right. most part, it would have been better. I know we're skipping ahead, but I would have loved to have seen at least. Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and, ha- and and Harrison Ford do something together. together. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What, let's not even get into that yet because, <laughs> oh my God, I was yeah. By the time that trilogy was over, I was like, what, what the fuck just happened? All right. I mean, look at this. Han, Han just died, and Chewie and and Leia just walked past each other. Where's the 
they should be close. They should be, you know, comforting each other. But no, she yeah, goes the to two, the new character. The two closest people to him. Yes. Right. It, it, I was like, what the fuck? You know, I was I was agitated. But uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. So and then in 83, he wrote Jedi. Well, he released, they released Jedi. Now you're mm-hmm. saying that was your, that was your first. Or you saw Jedi before uh, Empire. Yeah, I saw the original first on, on okay. the Sunday Night Movie, and then I saw it out. But I didn't know. The thing is, I I didn't know Roman. I was six. I didn't know Roman numerals at the time. And, okay. Uh, and we just, my grandmother, we had two mom and pop video stores in our little town I grew up in. And uh, we went in there, and I just said, oh, Star Wars. Well, there, fuck, there's, I know this one. I just watched this one, but. You know, I, I didn't know which one was next, so I just right. grabbed one, you know, and it just happened to be Return of the Jedi. Right. Well, when he when he numbered them weird, and it was, oh, episode six, I was like, wait a minute, or, or, or you know, four, five, and six. I was just grateful that I had a magazine that explained it to me, because we didn't have the internet then, you know, so I didn't know what was going on. And it was mm-hmm. like, why did he renumber them? Oh, because he's going to eventually do... uh seven, eight, nine, and one, two, and three. I was like, oh, okay. Of course, I had to wait, I don't know, what, 20 years? But, you know, I, you know, finally, well, I should have waited even longer, but that's a whole nother, you know, we'll get to that. Yeah, I remember never thinking it was going to happen. No, I didn't either. I, I I always thought that he had just lost interest, and there for a while, yeah, everything, the the novels, I don't know if you read any of the novels, but, oh yeah, Yeah, I I wrote, they, uh, they came out with, I read the, the first two trilogies of novels, the uh, the one the Steve Zahn uh, heir to the Empire uh, trilogy, and I with that introduced Grand Admiral Thrawn, which I love, mm-hmm. and then the the Kevin J Anderson trilogy they did after that, the uh, Jedi Academy trilogy, which I I liked even more. Right. So I always I I don't know if I'm uh, remembering this correctly, but I could have swore there was an interview with him, um, in the late '80s maybe where he said, or the early nineties where he said he wasn't the novels were doing a good job of telling the story. Cause mm. he had, he, he approved all the novels when somebody would have an idea yeah. go to him and the, Oh, I like this. So I never thought there'd be any, yeah, all, all the novels had to. Yeah. I remember, I do remember that they all had to be approved by Lucasfilm first. All right. So I always thought we, I'm like, well, I guess what, what's the point in making movies? You got all these good books. So I didn't think there'd ever be any movies. And, so and he, that being he, said, after not saying I didn't enjoy the last trilogy to some extent, but I still would have rather seen the, although all the actors would have been too old by that point, but uh, I, I I would have loved to seen those two, those first two uh, novelization trilogies on film. Right, I, they and, were good and, stories. And, Right. And in my adult mind, here's the part that really screws with me. They could have just taken Heir to the Empire trilogy and animated it and everybody just do their voices, but they could have animated it. Yeah. And it's like sure. the biggest animator in the world owns Star Wars. Just do an animated. I don't know why it's it's all that Kathleen Kennedy's fault. Well, yeah. And, you know, they're doing all these alternate timelines now in the MCU. So why not? Right. You know, right. I'd lo- I'd love to see an anim. I'd love to see it even if it was just animated, you know. Because yeah. that air, Timothy's on. I got all. I got the air to the Empire books. 
I got he rewrote he's got six more novels now that's got uh um he's got the regular uh, uh he he changed Thrawn because Disney got rid of the all that other stuff so he re he recreated Thrawn but it's still there's three yeah. there's there's two trilogies of Thrawn books now but I'm not a big fan of the new Thrawn I like the old Thrawn that he wrote the first time around oh yeah he so. was so menacing and uh yeah I mean he he was a great villain you know he he was a uh, a good follow-up to Vader right so but Somebody yeah to fill uh, those shoes yeah Jedi I didn't like I know a lot of guys will probably think I'm weird but I didn't like the whole I didn't like the beginning of Jedi I didn't like the way it played out you know with her trying to unfreeze him and then getting caught and turning into his his slave. I just didn't like that whole beginning. I didn't mind the fight sequence when they were getting ready to go over, but well, I just thought it me just... loved uh, the opening sequence to Jedi, and like you're saying, whenever Slave Leia, I, I loved that at six. I didn't know why at the time, <laughs> but I really loved that, and I still she love it. Good. I know why now. Yeah. Yeah, but I wasn't. I just didn't like. I guess I. I've always been a villain type of guy. I guess I was pissed off they killed off, uh, uh, Jabba so quickly and Boba Fett. I thought for sure Boba Fett was going to track them the whole movie. Well, they didn't he... kill off Boba. Fett. Well, they built him up to be such a badass at, in during Empire, and uh, well, sorta. I mean, he wasn't didn't have a lot of screen time in Empire, but I mean, you, you know, he had a presence. Yeah, you got the hint that he was going to be a major player in the next yeah. film. And, uh, yeah, I can see that. I, I didn't mind it at the time, though. I was along for the ride and, uh, you know, and seeing Luke uh, come back with the, uh, you know, the all-in-all black Jedi with the green lightsaber. And, and uh, I... I I, I, I enjoy the opening scene. I, I enjoy that movie from start to finish. I can't like even the Ewoks. A lot of people like to shit on the Ewoks. I'm like, you know what? I'll give the Ewoks a pass. And it you might be what? because I watched whenever that was a, one of the few Star Wars things I do remember watching that was still on on uh, the air whenever I was a kid. The uh, the Ewoks cartoon series that lasted just like one or two seasons. And, uh, and I was, so I was already, you know, like, oh, hey, yeah, Wicked and, uh, you know, Chief Logray and that, you know, I recognized yeah. him. So I was into that. Yeah, they had, a, I have those, uh, I have droids on DVD, was the animated with R2-D3PO. And then they yeah, did he, the, the, he you have the great animated. heat. Yep. Yep. The, and the then, first, and the then they did, yeah. And then there's two, there's two live action Ewok specials that were done for yeah TV. yeah uh the Car Ewok caravan of battle for caravan of courage and battle for yeah. endor now i yeah. saw I, I didn't see caravan of courage till much later on but i, I watched uh battle for endor whenever uh it originally aired as a tv movie and yeah i hadn't seen them in it i hadn't seen them forever and then when fox or lucas released them I yeah. was like, oh man, I had to get them and I went out and I bought yeah, them. Yeah, I made uh, back last winter, I made my kids watch them on uh, Disney Plus when they dropped on there. And Did I they was like, like oh my God. Well, they were kind of bored with them, honestly. And and I, even yeah, me going they, back and watching them, I'm like, oh my God, I haven't watched these in like 30 years. And man, these were bad movies. 
that's how I was. I put the DVD in. I sat down. I was all excited. You know, this is like the you know early nineties or, or late nineties. I'm all excited. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be like being a kid again. And at the yeah. end, I was like, I can't believe I like that. Like that? that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the cart the, the animated one. I like droids better than I like the Ewoks, but because uh, the droid one felt more like I was watching something in Star Wars because they were still yeah. on ships and going places. The Ewok one. I don't know. It just felt like I was watching Harry Smurfs. It just didn't. It didn't grab me like the droids I, one. Did. I enjoyed both of them. I, I went back and watched them with my kids here last year, and uh, and I still was surprised at how much I enjoyed both of them. Now somebody put in a novel. I think in the novel um, that the Ewoks actually eat people. I don't know if you if you heard that. What I, I well, I they swear were taking the, they were taking uh, Han and Leia and Luke to cook. You know, right? But people never put that together. You know, because they're cute, hey, cuddly. They help. You know, they're hunters. They're, yeah, they're like the indigenous <laughs> people there. You know, yeah. Because someone this said a, that, this is a different species. Why not? You know, because because there was a book I don't remember, but I could picture the cover with uh, it had stormtrooper helmets. And it was a very dark novel, and it was about the stormtroopers. It was after the Battle of Endor, and some stormtrooper was talking about watching the Ewoks eating their, you know, eating the the dead stormtroopers. And I was like, man, after that Battle of Endor, there was a lot of meat available for the Ewoks after <laughs> after that. Yeah, yeah, so, they give the Ewoks so much shit about being little cute teddy bears. They're like, hell no, <laughs> they were some bad little bastards. Like, there's no way they could have took out a imperial garrison of like yeah yeah you know that primitive or not they were some violent little teddy bears now let me ask you this because this this part of jedi made me uh my eyes filled up with water and i felt really bad but i I don't know if it were you react the same way remember the two ewoks crashed on the uh in the on the speeder bikes and Uh, he was pushing them and he was died and he laid over them because he was sad Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was, yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But Jedi, I I liked the I liked the Cantina scene this time because I love that whole Rancor fight and everything, the Rancor fight and everything. That yeah. whole I liked. I didn't like the way I liked that, but I didn't like the way Leia was portrayed. Like I was like, I can't believe she got herself caught. I can't believe they didn't plan this better. It just seemed. Like when C-3PO, he's like, we're a gift. What? He didn't even know. It's like Luke had this whole other thing going on and C-3PO wasn't even involved in, you know, he, he didn't even know he was being, you know, he didn't know the plan. So it always, Probably you know, for I, the day. I, I can understand that because <laughs> C-3PO was always a blabbermouth and, and yeah. not a very bright robot. But I like the, I like the, ro- I like the opening scene. I like the band. I like the original song. When Lucas re-met, when he did the special edition for Jedi, he totally, they weren't animatronic puppets. They were all CGI characters. Yeah. And, and I do, I do like the original song better. I'll agree with, one of the few things I'll agree about the special editions that I do like better. But, uh, yeah. Oh, you like the new song? Yeah. When he gets up, he screams, ah! It was like, you know, yeah. I, it, yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd uh, drop some coin for a, uh, um, Got Max Rebo and the Cantina Band uh, LP. Yeah. yeah, I'd do it. I still can't believe what did you do? You know what Lucas named that type of music that Max Rebo played? I don't remember. It's, no, it's jizz music, and it's actually <laughs> if you look at if you if you look in the Encyclopedia of Star Wars, it's J I Z Z. 
they're they're jizz musicians, not jazz, jizz. That that would like, be great if and if in the special edition and you would have at the end of the set if Sice Noodles would have blew a <laughs> fucking big load out of her out of her uh, dick mouth. That would have been yeah, perfect. As I remember looking at, I had the Star Wars encyclopedia, one of them, the early ones, and I yeah, saw yeah, that. I, I'm like, I, used to I was it. like, this this can't be right. This can't be right. But sure enough, I'm like, wow. I don't know if they'll emphasize it in the new encyclopedia, but that's what <laughs> Lucas called it. So, hey. But all in all, Jedi was still a good movie, though. I don't like it as much as Empire, but it was a good movie. I mean. And, and you know, a good, they, a good wrap up for the trilogy, too, I thought. Right. And then I thought it was, I thought it was, I like to see, I liked, I liked seeing Darth Vader redeem himself. That was. Yes. Yes. I mean, just, it, that's the thing about the Star Wars, the original trilogy, at least. Uh, it, take away all the special effects and the sci-fi element, and you, you've still got a good story about people, you know, the, the human condition. And, uh, and I think that's what made, when it came down to, is what may not may not have been initially what drew people to the film, but once they sit down in the theater, that's that's what made everybody so invested in it. A little side note, I, I just popped into my head when you're talking about American Zotrope, the Godfather movie, it was edited by Lucas's his first wife. She was the editor for The Godfather. I didn't yeah, know if you knew yeah. that. Well, that's actually why Zotrope broke up because Francis Ford Coppola got, and it wasn't even a big film at the time. They didn't have a big budget <coughs> excuse me, behind it. Uh, but uh, uh, Ford Coppola got offered The Godfather, and, and they had just lost their deal with uh, Warner Brothers after, after THX bombed. And... Ford Coppola didn't want to, he didn't want to, you know, leave Lucas hanging. And he was like, I got offered this gig, you know, doing this. And, and George was like, man, take it, take it. You know, we gotta, you gotta keep bread on the table. Go right. ahead and take it. And, um, but the, the two still remember, remain very close friends. They just didn't work together a, lo- a whole lot after that. Cause both their careers took off in dif- different, different directions after that. Right. And I know Francis Ford Coppola. I don't know about his any of his other movies, but I recently bought the 4K version, the whole big kit and caboodle of uh, uh, Apocalypse Now. And oh, uh, yeah. when the movie starts, it does. The first thing you see is American Zotrope. So I know he he re, he brought back the stu, you know he brought back the name at least mm-hmm. for his production company. I don't know if the later. Godfather three or any movies he's done since, but I know the the first thing you see when the movie starts is American Zotrope. So he did use it at least for Apocalypse Now. But at this point in his career, he had already done Godfather and what Godfather two, so he could write his own. So there's certain directors. I mean, even Lucas is you know from his early days the way he was. Lucas Spielberg, you know Scorsese, all these guys they wrote their own ticket. They had you know these awesome movies and then. Yeah. They got, you know, they the studio, if a studio today told Martin Scorsese, well, we really don't think he would never work for him again. I mean, he yeah. would be like, well, and he could do you. that because he could just, yeah, right. he could just go someplace else or fund right. it himself. That, that That's the problem with Hollywood. And that's why I got, I got excited when I saw that James Gunn and I can't remember the other guy got hired by DC. Yeah. The, Warner the, Brothers the to head DC up the universe. DC. 
because yeah. now you've got fans of comic books working on comic book films instead of a money man. That's the problem. Yeah, I understand they got to have a money oh, man. They're, they're still going to have to go through the money man, I guarantee you. But they need, if Hollywood sometimes would just unshackle their producers and directors and just let them do their thing, they'd make more money. I think they'd make more money because sometimes well, it's, it's the same years. problem. It's it's not necessarily a Hollywood problem as much as it is just a big corporation problem. It doesn't matter whether you're in Hollywood or in retail or whatever. Once companies get so big and you have so many people making decisions that are so far removed from uh, the situation and the business, um, you the the creators that the, they continue because the the corporate the corporate executives they have to be able to validate validate their jobs. You know, right. if if they're not making decisions, they're not validating themselves, and and that's why in Hollywood, you know, if, if the director's not getting a bunch of notes, and if he turns in his uh, it turns in his uh first cut of the film and they say oh that's great we love it you know uh, we wouldn't change a thing you know that what you know they're basically there for nothing so right like this this new this new movie the the, the new avatars coming uh, from yeah. what i was reading they're so expensive that they're gonna have to make a huge profit to yeah i don't to know if there's any truth to it but they're saying the the this first one that's coming out they say that it's gonna have to be the fourth highest grossing film. It's going to have to beat the fourth highest grossing film of all time to uh, recover its b budget and make a profit. Right. Which and I don't I saw, know. I, that doesn't sound right to me, but that being but said, I, I, I could see that happen with Jim Cameron because, you know, they're, they're going to make so much on merchandising too. Right. That And, and that I wouldn't be a bit surprised because I think what it's either three or four that they filmed all at once. Uh, the, right. Of the sequels. And I, I could see them doing that with uh, James Cameron, just saying, you know, like, we know he's going to make us money, so just let him do whatever the hell he wants. Right. Because I saw Rhodes had posted something where he said, is there even going to be an audience? Because Avatar, the first one, it's been so long. Are people actually going to show up and see this movie? Or, you know, is is there an interest in all these new Avatar sequels? That's, the, that's what I'm wondering, too. Like, because it's, you know, like Star Wars. When Star Wars came back after all that time, it was it sold a lot of tickets. It was still popular, but it was. But still we had we had three novels. movies to go off of on Star Wars. You know that that right. old mythology and universe was already built. Right, Avatar just, was one movie, and it's now been what eleven or twelve years. Yeah, I mean, I I hope it does good. I don't like to see anybody who puts their heart and soul into something. I don't like to see it fail. Hell, I. I, I still I bought a copy of Waterworld just to do my part because I know it bombed, but Kevin Costner put a lot of time and effort into well, that, that movie. That's the thing. Waterworld didn't really bomb. Kevin Costner just spent so much money on it, or it he couldn't had the studio make it back. spend so much money. Yeah, exactly. Because I thought Waterworld, I liked it. I don't know. Now, I don't know now Waterworld, Water, Waterworld is a mild success. Now it is. It, it has paid for itself. You know, it, I mean, and it wasn't you, you, a, it wasn't that, like I said, it wasn't that it was a huge failure. It was just all the sets built on water. And anytime you shoot on water or in water is ridiculously expensive anyway. And it just, yeah, 
And he knew that going into it, but he want, he wanted to tell his story. And by God, he told his story. And I, I, I like the film. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm a Kevin Costner fan. I like his movies that he's done. I like, you know, that like, you know, like Dances with Wolves and, you know, Waterworld and Dances Field with of Wolves. Dreams. And uh, I even, I, well, I don't like the remake of Dances with Wolves since we were already talking about it. I don't like it as much as his, the Kevin Costner original version of Dances with Wolves, but I'll still watch every now and then I'll watch Avatar. Oh, I, I saw avatar i took my kids to see it um on spring break one year at the theater you know we we went and got the 3d glasses and i enjoyed it um it was a little long and Uh my kids got squirmy and uh, you know you could tell they were getting tired of it but we bought it when it came out obviously and they were a little older they watched it again my one Two of them just still don't care for it, but my my oldest daughter she loves the movie, so I know she's going to want to see all the sequels. I my kids see all like the it. It's 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 my father's favorite film of all time. He he went and pre he pre ordered it from Blockbuster before they went out of business. Uh, he pre ordered got- it when it came out on uh, DVD, and uh, but uh, and that being said, I watched it and I was like, I I just remember the first thing that came to mind like within an hour of the movie, I'm like, this is Dances with the Wolves, except with aliens. And that could, you know, that could just be because I was such a big, I'm such a big Dances with Wolves fan. But, uh, but I was like, wow, this movie just, I mean, yes, it's beautiful. It, it's shot wonderfully. Uh, you know, the actors do a good job, but it just, I'm like, it's just, it just fell short for me. See for me, I'm a like I said. I don't know why it is. I'm a, such attracted to, to to the villain so much. But Stephen Lang, hell he was a great yeah, villain. He was, <laughs> yeah. and he's he's coming back. I think he's in all all three or four of the sequels. Okay, that then at least I know I'll enjoy something in it because I I think you know Stephen Lang is a great actor. I like them in those. I like pretty much in anything you put him. In. He, he's he's one of those like I said, like Dick Miller. He's he's that guy. Yes. You know, he's that guy in that movie. And he's all yeah. you always remember him. Yes. Whatever role he's in, no matter how small most of the time. Yep. Oh man. I I think I think you bring up Dick Miller. I think there's two guys that I know off the top of my head. Um Dick Miller was in like every movie I ever saw. And he was in almost every uh uh what's his name? The 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 B King. Uh I'm drawing a blank on Bruce the director. Campbell? Roger Corman. Roger Corman. Oh Corman, yeah. Dick Miller's in like almost every uh in almost every Roger Corman film ever made. Um but and Dick he's Miller always, was he's always Dick Miller in them. Yes, yes. And then um there was another actor, but he did TV shows. I can't remember his name. He played the the father of uh uh I can't remember his name. He was I don't know how much I don't know how much old school television you watched, but he was the he was the father to uh the uh Shit, I can't remember his name now. He's the har- hardest working guy in Hollywood. Nick at Night used to always advertise him as the hardest working man in television from back in the fifties and sixties. He was he was in almost everything that was ever shown on TV, and I just can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. Yeah, um, if I remember it, I'll spit him out. But he was it. He's like Dick Miller, but for TV, because Dick Miller was mainly in the movies. This guy was yeah. in like every single television show ever. So it's like, 
But yeah, Dick Miller, I mean, Gremlins, Chopping Mall, he was in everything. Well, actually, guy. I think I think the documentary about Dick Miller is called That Guy, Dick Miller. Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Well, as a kid, you don't... He Sometimes he wouldn't have a character name. You know, when I was a kid, I would sometimes look at the credits because I'm like, I think I know this person from something. So I would look at the credits so I could see and remember, okay, this is the guy. Next time I watch that, I'll see if it's the same person. But Dick Miller sometimes never had a character name. So I didn't know what to look for in the he, credits. He, to me, growing up, he was always Mr. Futterman from Gremlins. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a great actor. It's a shame he's gone because he'd still probably be in everything under the sun. He, he was still acting right up till the time he passed. Oh, he was? Yeah, he, he never stopped. Wow. Yeah, I like that. He was still I, doing I bit parts him. and stuff. And uh, he did a lot of indie work too. You know, he just, he just loved doing it and kept doing it. See, I like the kind of guys who don't always go. For, you know, I'm sure they'd love to have that $20 million paycheck, mm -hmm. but you got guys like Dick Miller and like Lance Hendrickson and, and guys like that who have made a, you know, obviously they're fine. You know, they're, they're not in a poor house, but they've done a lot of work. I mean, you know, like Lance Hendrickson, he's been in so many movies. It's, I, I can't even start to, you know, he's been in like eight, you know, six, 700 movies, it seems like. And sometimes he's in small bit parts where you, I'm sure he got scale, but he doesn't care. It's like, he likes acting. You know, you know I like the one that, that's a testament to their acting ability and their screen presence. When you know you have all you have all these Hollywood big Hollywood stars that you know, like back during the eighties, you know, like Stallone, Schwarzenegger, uh, Mel Gibson. You know, they got hired to play for a role. They were they were playing Stallone, Schwarzenegger. Or Mel Gibson, right. you know, they, they played the same, basically the same character in every movie. Just because they had so much presence and they knew, people knew that uh, they would sell tickets. But then right. on the other hand, you've got these guys like Dick Miller that, you know, that, that play, ba and Lance Hendrickson that play basically the same character in every movie. And they get hired just because they play that same character so well. Yeah. And, 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 they were and they're good actors. I could yeah. they, they they couldn't have been they could have done the roles, you know that if, if they weren't because they weren't big and muscular. But you, you like Lance Henderson. There's no way he could have played Conan. There's just no way. But some of the stuff that you know, like Schwarzenegger did, you know, these guys could have done it had you know it not visually. Oh, we need a big guy, you know. But Lance Henderson, I mean, you know, he was good, you know, an alien and or not alien, but an aliens. And, you know, it's just I just sometimes I like I, I like the guys who act because they want to act, not because, yeah. oh, I'm good at this. I'm going to make me a million dollars, millions of dollars and get a house on the hill. And, the, you know, I like the guys. There's this other actor. Um, he's a uh, can't remember his name. He was in. I know you probably never saw the show uh, One Tree Hill. Um, no, the missus um, loves it though. Oh, have you so have you seen it? Have you ever no. seen any of it? Okay, um, there's this, there's an actor, he's got a southern, he was in a show called uh, uh Northern Exposure. I don't know if you watched, oh, yeah, that. I watched Northern Exposure as a kid. Yeah, he, he, he was the one who owned the town that that yeah, actor Maurice, owned the town. Maurice, yeah, Maurice, uh, yeah, god, I can't think of his name, but yeah, he was that's uh, what he's still, he's still acting, doing uh, right. Uh, TV work. Uh, he well, he was on that uh, that uh, 
Ashton Kusher, Sam Elliott series, The Ranch. Yep. He had yep. a recurring role on there. And, yep. uh, and, and he's just, he, like I said, he plays the same character every time, but you just love him, you know? And see, he 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 acts because he likes acting. Him and his daughter bought a ranch, and they raise they they breed and sell horses. So he probably makes sometimes more money selling horses than he probably gets for some of these roles. Yeah, but he does it because he likes. That's yeah, what he wants to do. Yeah, right. And I that that's I have more appreciation for a person who does something because they want to do it than if they're doing it for money. You yeah, know, which like, it ties right back into George Lucas, you know, like he's always said, it's always been about, for him. It's never been about getting rich. It's always been about telling the stories he wants to tell the and, way he wants one, to tell them. And at one time he could tell a story. Awesome. Um, yeah. So from Jedi, we moved to Temple in 84, which is your favorite, uh, favorite movie. Uh, or your I, go, I go back Jones. and forth between Temple and Last Crusade, just because Last Crusade was the first indie film I got to see in the theater. I thought, and Sean Connery, I, come on, yes, any, I, I'll, anything. Sean Connery is one of those guys in the world who kept his word. You get wrestlers who I'm going to retire, and then two years later they're wrestling again. Actors, when Sean Connery said I was done, he was done. He yeah. did the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And never looked back. And poof. And, yeah. And, and he was honest. He goes, Hollywood's turning to shit. And the stories they're giving me are shit. And the movies are being directed Which, like shit. Uh, so I, I mean, quit. they ask him to be in uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Harrison Ford actually contacted him. And he, and he said that Sean politely declined and he said he just had replied to him and said that that's okay. I understand. I'm old enough to play my own father now anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he, when he, he said, I'm done, I'm done. So I have, I love Sean Connery. He's another one like my Clint East, I like Clint Eastwood. I like Charles Bronson. He's another one of my legendary status actors. Yeah. I really, I really like Sean Connery. You know, I have all his Bond films. I have his non-Bond films. I, I love him, and he play. wasn't even my favorite Bond, you know, but he, it just anything he touches, pretty much, he, f- he elevates whatever project he's attached to. The first movie I ever saw him in, I saw as a child, and it stuck out to me. Because when I first saw him in Bond, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from that movie. You can watch it on Disney+. Plus. You've probably seen it. It was called uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People or something it was called. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it, though. Yeah, it's on Disney+. Plus. It was an early Sean Connery movie. No, I I was fortunate enough that my first Sean Connery film was Highlander. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, Highlander. I was like, yeah, I'm all bored with this guy. There can be only one. See, the Highlander, now that's another series that I thought was extraordinarily... The movies got a little weird, the way they... You know the the second one was out of it felt out of place. You know in the future. The first one was brilliant. The, it, the first one had that like Jaws, Jaws, lightning in a bottle quality to it, and and it was just they never could replicate it. And although no. I do enjoy most of the sequels, it just it was never never even close to the magic the original caught. Did you ever get to see the television show Highlander? Yeah, yeah. Now that one I liked. I, I haven't it seen was all of it. I've seen I've seen most of it though, because it was they were able to go more into depth. Because you know you could tell a story, and then you could spend part of the season going back and showing this. So I thought I thought they did that really smart though, bringing in Adrian Paul, and since uh, Christopher Lambert didn't want to do the series, they approached right. him first. He didn't want to do the series, but he agreed to do the pilot, 
and bringing him in to kind of bridge bridge the that gap, gap yeah. over and and usher in Adrian Paul's character. I I thought that was really smart. It, it was a good show. It, it really was. It, it it had good writing at least the first few seasons. Uh, I didn't uh, I didn't follow it too long after that, but um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It, it uh, now as far as the the crossover, the two crossover movies, uh, or the first crossover movie, Endgame, and then, uh, which I saw that at the theater too, and then when they did uh, Highlander, the Source, uh, the film after that, yeah, Endgame, uh, the Endgame just seemed like such a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I I was so upset. Me and some of my buddies I grew up with went to see that, and we were all big Highlander fans, and I remember. Very similar, tying back to uh, the Phantom Menace. Uh, whenever we went to see that, it was just very silent. Whenever we walked out of the theater, nobody was talking. Yeah. No, and it no. was just, you know, everybody kind of had their heads hung, and it was like, ah, what? Yeah, it was, you know, speechless. I, yeah, I don't. It was when the, the 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 one thing I was grateful for on the television show was that they still left the opening theme song. They used Queen as the yes. as the theme because because whenever i hear queen like i can be in the car listen to music and when certain queen songs come on i don't hear queen i see the highlander Highland, exactly exactly yeah. which i've i've got the uh album you know the, it it did so bad when it opened uh in the u.s it opened in the u.s before it opened in the uk and it did so poorly although they queen had done the soundtrack they didn't release a soundtrack for highlander they they Queen released it, you know, as their own album, a kind of which I'm sure you already know. You're the music guru, but uh, uh, the the a kind of magic album because whenever I uh, I remember when I first started seeking out movie soundtracks, uh, that was one of the first ones I started looking for. I'm like, why can't I find the freaking Highlander soundtrack? I love that song, and right. uh, and uh, and then I eventually found out that it it had been released as a, just a regular queen album because of the film not doing well in the U S and then it blew up in the UK and around and around the rest of the world. And, right. uh, and, and queen is one of the only bands to have an album that is both a soundtrack and it says soundtrack and still part of their discography. And that's the, the flash yeah. Gordon soundtrack. Cause it's listed as the soundtrack to Flash Gordon, but if you go through and look at, oh, you know, I want to go online and look up their discography, discography, it's in there, Flash Gordon, where a lot of bands, because they don't, most bands don't do the whole album. They'll, you know, here's a couple songs. Yeah, they'll do a song. They did yeah. The, yeah, yeah kind of like Alice whole, Cooper on Friday Six, you know, yeah, he did yeah. a few songs for it. But it's his movie, though. He, it's like you know that yeah. the, the other guy, uh, man, uh, that was a Harry Manfredini did all the music, but you don't hear that when you watch Six. It's Alice Cooper soundtrack. It's Alice it's Cooper not, soundtrack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, so the so that so the only thing I really want to say about Temple was I liked Round. I liked the uh, uh, what's his what was his name Round uh, Short Round Short Round. You don't talk to Doctor Jones. Yeah, yeah, and he's I, I, he's had a resurgence as of late with that uh, movie, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, he he'd quit acting for like twenty five <laughs> years. Yeah, and he he decided to come back, and they talked him into coming back for that movie, and now he's said he's acting all the time now. Yeah, he 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 was my 
I he was the he, he okay. She was the comic relief too because that whole part with the elephants and then the the skeletons and the bugs when she was you know going in the little secret. Oh passages. yeah. So they they she, but it was I feel as much as it had violence and it did and it was dark. It did have a lot more humor than Raiders of the Lost Ark. A lot more humor. Yeah. But it was. But it wasn't misplaced humor, though. I didn't think it. No. It kind no, of flowed with the natural. story. Yeah. 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 And then. And, now, and the character of Andy, you know, because, I mean, he. It, it With that whole sarcastic, witty, uh, globetrotting uh, archaeologist thing they had uh, going on with them. I thought I thought it it worked really well and uh, and I have watched it uh, back recently you know here a few years ago I watched it with my oldest daughter uh, I watched the, the uh, all three of the films and uh, and she got a big kick out of them and of course you know I'm sure you know getting to introduce your kids to that stuff and and them enjoying it as much as you did is like the biggest reward of all Right, because I get nervous sometimes when I show my kids. Stuff oh, me too, youth. me too. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh, this is too old. I don't want to watch this. It's like, oh, you're hurting me. But when they do, when they watch something and they're like, oh, that was awesome, it just makes my day. It's like you know, now the more it's like I don't know when it comes to my kids, and now I've got my grandkids. So hopefully, when my grandkids start, because it's only three, and he's she's getting ready to turn three, and he's getting ready to turn two. So they're they're not ready yet for anything like that. Cause they won't focus, you know, but like, I can't wait to introduce them to all my, uh, uh, Rankin and Bass Christmas stuff. You know, the, you know, the, the Island of Misfit toys and, you know, and it just, Oh yeah. I like to have that when it comes to the kids because of the age generation gap, I like to find as much common ground, something that we can all do together and, and, and it can bring us together. Even if it's just for two hours, you know, watching a movie. Oh yeah, you're always struggling. Shows. Yeah, like I said, to bridge that gap and and connect with them on on things that you enjoy too. Uh, my daughter has recently uh, got into uh, really big into the uh, stra- old Stranger Things, uh, and, and it's led her to be even more interested in uh, in that in the eighties era of, of music and everything else that was going on. So you know, I, I get to be. Her uh, basically her Jedi master on that. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. Uh, and, and oh yeah, I eat it up. It's great. So now he, after Temple, he became the executive producer in '86 to this weird ass movie called Howard the Duck <laughs> that you seem to really love. I love it. I love it. I, and I I will never stop defending that movie. It's it's fast paced, has awesome special effects. It's it's a great action adventure and romance. Although a very odd romance, it still has a good romance story too. I was that guy who was sitting in a theater because I I had actually read the Howard the Duck comics. I had um, not that because my um, I was I'm a big comic book person, and I remember finding them in a used comic book shop, and I was like, "What's this Howard the Duck?" So I got them, and when I saw the movie, I was like, well, this isn't the comic book. What did they do here? Did they even read the source material? But when they showed that duck with her boobs, I was like, okay, I can't take this movie seriously. You didn't like the duck boobs? Come on. And you're talking about a walking, talking duck, and you expect people to take it seriously? I did not, for the life of me, like the duck boobs. I don't know why. 
it was just like I can't believe they did. Hey, that. I think Ducks I was like boobs. seven or eight because I didn't see the theater. I I saw it when it dropped on VHS, and I didn't know. Like I said I, uh, about Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi, I didn't know why I liked the duck boobs, but I like the duck boobs. <laughs> I just I don't know. It's not. I don't hate it, but I don't go out of my way to watch it. It's like I, I don't. Robin I don't so own it. it. Uh, uh, Leah Thomas, she she was great, and even the music she did. I mean, that movie. If there is any eighties mo- movie that you could call a perfect time capsule of eighties New York, I I think that would probably be it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have any problem. Like, I don't have any problem with the way the actors were. It's just my whole thing was just even the duck was fine because it's this technology they had. It, it, it looked like it was the same technology they yeah. used for the the turtles movies with the animatronic yeah. heads, and so I didn't have a problem with any of that. For me, I guess it was maybe if I hadn't been a reader of the not the, the novels of the comics, maybe my I would see it differently. But it was, you know, I just yeah, I, I can understand that. The, I just know, couldn't get. Not. I just couldn't. It just, I don't know. And it's not that I, you know, I, I, I don't hate the movie, but I just, I don't get it. I just, it's one of those that I don't get. I just, I, I couldn't. I've seen it multiple times, and every time I'm just like, eh, I don't, I don't understand what it is that makes you love it so much, unless it's, you know, like, is it just the nostalgia? Or your time capsule. Nostalgia is just... very big on it, but I've shown it to my my kids. All love it. They love the movie. Okay. They'll sing along to this to the Howard the Duck song every time, and uh, and I do too. I'm not I'm not gonna uh, lie about that. That it's I don't know the movies. It's like I said, it's paced well. You got cool special effects. There's that action action adventure element to it, uh, and it. You have that creepy pedophile in it as uh, the villain. So I mean, you know, I, I actually mean, felt general. And now I even even with my kids watching, I feel more threatened by him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so you must. So Howard the Duck, it, you love it so much, it engraved itself in your DNA. Oh yeah, children. definitely, definitely. I, I I love Star Wars, and I have one daughter who loves Star Wars. My son thinks it's okay, and my other daughter's like, that's crap. So. I love it so much, but it didn't ingrain itself into my DNA. So you got lucky that you got to pass something that you truly love, and now they truly love it. So that's yeah, that's, and I wish especially I with my oldest daughter. Before uh, all the other ones came along, uh, there's a uh, six year gap between uh, my oldest and my youngest daughter, and uh, so yeah, and during that time period, I I tried to cram as much into her brain as I could, and 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 pass as much of my childhood onto her as I could. And I try to do it with all my other kids now too, but you know, you know how it is once you get more than one, you know, you can't really focus on them. Want to have the one-on-one time like you had before. Now, is there stuff that you do take back, you know, from your past to show your kids and they all don't, you know, some of them like it, some of them don't. Do you have anything or, or do your kids usually, Pick up you on know, what you like and like it too. Most of the time, the only thing that, uh, which some of my kids like Cobra Kai, and I've tried to get my oldest daughter to sit down and watch the original Karate Kid movies with me and watch Cobra Kai. And she she's seen the first episode of Cobra Kai and she's just, she has no interest whatsoever. Oh, okay. And uh, so there are some things that you like that they're like, <sighs> sometimes, sometimes, yeah. 
See, which I see, like. I like a lot of weird, obscure shit from the '80s too. So I can't blame them for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. My kids are. I got. I don't know. I got. It, it agitates me sometimes because I'll. Sh- and here's the one that really bugs me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I'll show them something. They'll be like, "Dad, I don't know what that was. Crap. I don't want to. No, no." But then, like two weeks later, if they're French or two months or two years or however, if a friend of theirs shows them the same thing later on down the road, oh, dad, I saw this cool thing. Oh, That's yeah. the same thing I showed you. No, no, it's different. No, it's not. It's like if their friends tell them it's good, it's good. If I tell them it's good, I'm, you know, I'm a senile old man. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, I, Stranger Things. I tried to get my daughter into that whenever it was first out. And she, she was young for it at the time. What was that? 2016, 2017? Yeah. And uh, so she was only like five or six and, and she was scared by it. I tried to show her the, uh, an episode. She was scared uh, of the Demogorgon and she didn't want to watch it. And, and she, she just here this year just happened. Now she's 11. She just happened back across it and gave it a chance, gave it a chance. And she just blew through all four seasons and absolutely is obsessed with it now. And, uh, but yeah, a lot of that stuff, like, well, like when she was smaller, I showed her Goonies, and she liked it. And now, uh, uh, on like on a Friday or Saturday, I'll tell the kids, "Hey, uh, you, want, you know, let's sit down and watch a movie. Let's throw on Goonies." And they're like, "Eh, <laughs> oh, come on, you used to love that." Yeah, kids are weird. It's I like watching them grow and change, and you know, I may not appre- I may not uh, approve of some of the outcomes of my children because. I let them make their own mistakes and live their lives. And, you know, it's like, you know, I have two grandkids. My daughter gave me two grandkids. They both have different fathers. I would have, I would have rather have had one father for both of them, but it is what it is. So, you know, I try my best. Hey, you got them. That's the important thing. Yes. Yes. So, um, how are the ducks? So all in all, I don't know. See, and him being the executive producer, I don't know how much he influenced the movie anyway. Because I'm not. I mean, I, maybe you know any any tidbits of information or trivia about it. I I don't. I don't know. Did he just supply? He money? wanted. He, he was a big fan of the comics. George Lucas was, and he wanted to do an animated version, but they could only get rights to do a live action. However, okay. that worked. And uh, okay, so that's what they had to work with, and. Um, and he was, like I said, that's one thing I will say about George Lucas. Another thing I'll say about him, rather, that he uh, he stands by any film that he has made. He said, he said, I'll watch, I'll watch any film that I've made. I I, I enjoy any film that I've wrote or directed. Okay, so I I was just always curious on you know because sometimes people are, are pro- produce it, they watch the money, but they don't have anything to do with anything else. But I'm guessing yeah. ILM probably did all the special effects for it anyway. Yeah, he was very hands-on with uh, Howard okay, the Duck, okay. and you know, and he was he was genuinely shocked that it didn't do well initially. Which now it's a cult classic, uh, I guess yeah. you could call it. I mean, it's it's found its audience now, um, which I'm glad. And, and I will say this: as much as I have enjoyed, uh, well, I'm a big James Gunn fan. Period. But uh, as much as I've enjoyed the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, films so far, uh, I'm I'm pretty disappointed in how he's handled handled Howard. See the Howard the Duck that you saw at the end of the Guardians—that's the one from the comic books. 
the cigar smoking, the, uh, you know, that, but he didn't do anything with it. So I don't know if he had plan. It, obviously he's not going to do it now, but I don't know if he had plans. I don't know if Disney's going to ever let any, but if, if Disney will even let it see the light of uh, anything, Howard, the duck see the light of day. Cause who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, the way, the way Disney, if they do with, uh, if they do with Marvel, like they've done with, uh, with the Star Wars universe and give every side character their own series, their own movie, you know, we may very well get a Howard the Duck <laughs> movie That's or true. series. That's true. And I'll, I'll be right there to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If it's like the comic book, I'll give it a try, but I will say this. I do give it credit. Um, I did like the music the, the Howard, the Duck. I can hear it in my head right now, the keyboards and the, you know, so the Howard, the Duck theme song, it is, that's a, that's a really good 80s song. I do. I you know, like that song. and I'll give that uh, that that movie, and she has been very vocal about it. I've seen several interviews, but uh, Leah Thompson, she said, you know, that movie basically sunk her career. I mean, she was coming off Back to the Future, and uh, something else. What time what was it? But anyway, yeah, her her career was skyrocketing. I mean, she was on the fast track to be one of the leading ladies in Hollywood, and then along came Howard the Duck. And, but it, and and she still says to this day, whenever at a convention or any time she's out in pub, public and somebody comes up and says they love Howard the Duck, she said that those are her favorite fans because she loved making the movie. She she loved the way the movie turned out. And, it, you know, of course, doesn't like that it wasn't successful, but but she loved the product, uh, product, the finished product and loved being a part of it. And I guess that's the important thing, you know, as a, as an artist. That see, uh, I I have a lot of respect for her for that because look at uh, some actresses uh, like Susan Sarandon. She has nothing to do with anything that they ever do for Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. She didn't do any of the special features on any of their anniversaries. She doesn't do anything. She she doesn't even bring it up. And if people bring it up, she ignores you. So at least, at least Leah Thompson, at least she acknowledges and still, you know, says, oh yeah, I did the movie for good or bad. I still did it. And that, you well, know, not, not just that she did the it. movie, but she, she stands behind it and, and enjoy right. it, you know, thinks it's a good, good film and appreciates, you know, the, like you said, that's her favorite fans is the fans of Howard the Duck. Because right. she got, she I, got to do, she, she did all her own vocals for the, uh, that, that was her. Uh, her band actually playing for the soundtrack. Oh, that was her band. Oh, yeah, okay. and because uh, I, because you know, I think oh, she's ahead. a great actress. I even watched her. Uh, what was it Caroline in the City on NBC? Mm-hmm. I watched that show. She's a good actress. It's just I just couldn't. Like I said, it's not. It, it, I didn't. I'm not one. I'm not. I don't think it was a shitty movie. I just as a whole, I couldn't get into it. But I don't, you know, like you said, Tim Robbins, everybody did a good job at everything they did. It's just for some reason, the story just didn't grab me. Just it just it it I missed oh, out c- on it. it Come just- on, Paul. It is literally the perfect version, literally, of a duck out of water movie. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> just I just it just couldn't grab me. But. Now, in 1988, he wrote another movie. Now, you're probably going to be a little bit ashamed of me here because I've never seen this movie. It was called Willow. Ugh. Ugh. I have never... I have never... Ashamed, infuriated. Yeah, yeah I have funny. never seen Willow. I have no idea what it's about. Now, I know they're bringing it back, 
as a as TV a show. Series, yeah. On Disney so Plus, I'm gonna so, so so I'm gonna watch it finally, but you know, because since it's streaming on, but I have never seen the movie. I don't know why I never saw it because I like Val Kilmer. Everything he's done, I've always the Doors, uh, 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 even the 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 uh, Real Genius, and the that one he did that was an uber straight like airplane like comedy, Top Secret. Everything he's ever done, I've liked, but I've never seen this movie. And I like Warwick Davis. I have no idea, and I like Ron Howard films. I have no idea yeah. why this movie. I just I have never seen it. I don't know what it's about or anything. Well, in short, in short, um, and this won't be a popular opinion, I'm sure. Uh, I know it's not with Rhodes, uh, but Ron Howard wanted to do the Lord of the Rings uh, on film, the live-action Lord of the Rings. They could not get the rights, so he did Willow, which is basically Lord of the Rings. Okay. And 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 this is the not popular opinion. Uh, I like I like Willow. Far better than I do the Lord, uh, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films. Okay, now I'm I don't dislike gonna... them. I don't dislike them, mind you. I, I I think they're good films. I think they're visually stunning and tell a great story. But as far as it, it's it's the Willows, the eighties action adventure shorthand version of Lord of the Rings, and I think it works wonderfully. And the cast, so it has matched. So it has magic and mysticism and all that good stuff. Yep. Okay. Well, who's who's Willow? Is I always thought uh, Willow he, was. Uh, he's Warwick basically Davis. the version of the of uh, Frodo, except okay. he's a wizard. Okay. And uh, okay. they, they try. They they basically take pretty much all the elements from Lord of the Rings and and they they mash up a couple some of the characters in it to where they have multiple. Uh, characteristics of uh different characters from lord of the rings okay so lucas just did a hybrid he like took stuff from lord of the rings well put his own he, stuff in there and just... he i think he wrote the script on that and uh yeah. and executive produced and ron howard directed but yeah yeah pretty much pretty much and uh, okay. and i think like i said not popular opinion but i think it works better than lord of the rings Okay, and within the next two weeks, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I'll have to let you know what I thought because like I said, that being said, I was even before I'd seen Willow, I'd read the Lord of the Rings books and was a big fan of the uh, J.R. Tolkien uh, trilogy of books, and I still like Willow better. Okay, so in your opinion, just in your opinion, if I sat down and watched Willow, do you think it, does it still hold up? Is it still, you know, because some movies you watch, you're, they're dated and you're like, eh, you think uh, yeah, can... that was one that I introduced my oldest daughter to here just a couple of years ago. And she, uh, especially the Val Kilmer scenes in it, she was totally on board. Uh, okay. Yeah, she loved it because it's kind of fast paced, like it's an action adventure, 80s action adventure, fast paced, which I think it come out in 90, actually, maybe. Or was it 88? You say? 88. It was 88. Yeah, wow. 88. I went to the theater to see it, though. And that, that was another okay. thing, too. Uh, uh, I had a very, I was raised by, like I said, I was raised by my grandparents, and I had a very wonderful grandmother that would, like, at least once or twice a month uh, drive me to the next uh, town over that had a movie theater. Uh, and, and and every other week, I got to see so many of the grade, uh, in a grade uh, 80s uh, movies that came out. And, and, and uh, 
like you were saying, the theaters, we didn't have any big theaters at the time. There were, there were two theaters in the town, not in our town because it was too small, but, uh, we had to drive an hour away, but they had two, they had two, two screen theaters. And, uh, one of them, which is still in operation, not as a movie theater, but it was, it was originally, a, it was called the, the Rogers theater in downtown Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And it, uh, had the big marquee on the front well it still does but uh they're in the process of restoring it now but uh but it, it was originally created i mean it was over 100 years old and was originally created for stage plays and uh and then they uh, they converted it into they split it in half and converted it into a two-screen theater and um and yeah most most of the 80s movies i got to go see in this old uh state uh with the like the stadium seating uh uh theater and uh and that was pretty awesome yeah i missed the nowadays it it just i don't know i missed the i missed the old the old now there's like, like i said there's like 15 screens but it seems yeah. like we're all on top of each other you know it's yeah. like it's like you you can put your hand over here you know it's like you know the walls it's just i missed the openness and like you said you know the balcony, you could go up in the balcony and, you know. Oh, yeah. The Rogers, just, it had it had the, the old balcony seating from when it was a stage uh, yeah. play, which was all, everybody. But you never could get that because that, that was the first place everybody always went. They wanted the balcony seats. Right. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't really go to the theaters too much anymore. But when I do, I don't go, either, sadly. Gonna, but I don't complain about the, the theaters that have the nice cup holders and the reclining chairs. I mean, that, that, I wish yeah. that when I was a kid. When I was a kid, sometimes, you know, after about 45 minutes to an hour, some of those chairs were hard and your butt's asleep and you're, yeah. you're and moving I around to, a we lot. Still have, uh, we still have an active drive-in that's been in business for like 70 years uh, uh, here fairly close to us uh, called the 21 Drive-In. And uh, uh, and I, I haven't been there like in three years. And I do have, like to do everything I can to support them because, I mean, they're still in business after – 70 years it's not the same owners but i mean they right they keep it going and they play like uh, not on the weekends but during the week they'll play uh, a bunch of 80s classic movies yeah that's why a lot of the drive-ins i know a lot of them died in the in the 90s anyway but the, some of the ones that had stayed open a lot of they them really thrived survive. during the pandemic yeah yeah but the ones that didn't survive it was not because they didn't want to stay in business it was everything went to digital and it was expensive to buy a digital projector. Oh yeah, I talked. So, I talked to the owners of uh, of the drive-in that uh, we go to, and they said it was like to, to com- do that conversion. It was twenty five uh, from from film to uh, to digital. The digital camera was twenty five grand. Yeah, because there was a thing. I don't know if you remember it. It's a couple years back. Well, maybe more than a couple years. It's way back. Uh, because uh, Joe Bob Briggs is part of it, and actually Toyota mm-hmm. was part of it. They were giving one drive-in theater a free upgrade to the new stuff to to, to keep the theater and to keep the drive-in in business. So there was a contest, and people you know voted for their for these certain drive-ins. Um, so I remember that. That's why I knew it was a big deal because you know it was expensive. I didn't know it was twenty-five grand. Um, but a lot of them didn't want to invest it because people weren't coming. Where people were yeah. coming, but there wasn't enough. To justify, we still yeah. have two drive-ins here in Wisconsin. Uh, we got one in Monroe, which is not too far from where I live here, and then we have one up in the Wisconsin Dells, which is a big tourist attraction here in Wisconsin. So they have a drive-in up there too. 
So I, I got, I, I really feel bad for people who don't have access to a drive-in because they're yeah. still, they're still enjoyable, you know. And like you said, you can some of them now will show older movies, and you get that, you know. I, yeah, I and that's what I hate about mine though. They only play them during the week, so you know I'm, I'm working. I can't, yeah, can't go watch. I, I, uh, they don't do it on the weekends. Uh, no. Well, back during the pandemic, they did a little bit. They'd play oh, okay. like a new movie and then, cause there weren't a lot of new movies coming out, of course, but they play a new movie and then, uh, and then a, uh, older movie, but like every year, every year they'll play Jaws and, uh, oh, okay. Dirty Dancing, uh, Indiana Jones and they just go through them. And, cause as uh, a and kid, I, I loved it. We, my parents, oh, we, yeah. we, my grandparents were my aunt and my uncle, somebody who would take me, we'd go, we'd get there early. There was always under the screen at the front. There was always a small swing sets and stuff. Yeah, they have a so they we, have a playground at, at ours. Yeah, with the jungle yeah. gym. So we go down and, there. Drive-ins had the best pizza, the best hot dogs. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then it was you know you had that speaker. You no, know, if you go far back far enough, yeah, you didn't have the radio yet. The old speakers, yeah, which yeah. they played yeah. on the right. Ra- they have a radio channel too, but they they still have the working speakers at ours. Yeah, I I love I. I it didn't sound good coming out of that little speaker, but when you look back on it, it's like people always ask me, why do you like the past so much? Why do you like reminiscing? Is it better? Is it this? It's just I'm getting older and it was yeah. a simpler time for me. Yeah, my parents were still having financial difficulties and, and this what we're going through now. They went through then. But yeah, but you weren't us, worried about that stuff at that time, you know. Right. Just, so it was same a, reason, right. Just like, just like with uh, you know, listening to LPs, you know, uh, it, you just put them on. It just takes you back to that time, right? And it makes me, it makes me feel when I, I don't know when, when I see something nostalgic that reminds me of a good time for me personally, I, it makes me, I, I get as happy as happy could be. It, yeah. It's the same thing, you know. It's like my children being born all over again. Happiness, you know. Like even when I even when I do watch Howard the Duck, I still remember stuff that was going on around that time. Yeah, so it's still it's still nostalgic to me. I still remember. Like as bad as this sounds, it's going to sound. But when I you know if I watch Howard the Duck and then when it's over, I'm like, ugh. But even that nostalgia of me seeing a movie I didn't get still brings happiness to me. Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, so, but yeah, I will definitely have to watch Willows now that you say it. Cause I've always been afraid to watch it. Cause it just, every clip that I ever saw, it just seemed like, you know, it just, it just didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't, I, it just seemed like, you know, this is, looks boring. It looks boring. But now that I know it's like Lord of the no, Rings. It's, it's pretty fast paced. Okay. I'll look at it through different eyes. Plus I want to see the new show. And obviously I can't watch the show without, you know, seeing the movie anyway. So. Just so just that, do something for me if you can. When you watch Willow, try to just completely separate it from the Lord of the Rings. Watch just go into it like you're just watching okay. a new movie that you know nothing about. Okay, I will definitely do that. It won't and buy, I will because, let you because know. if you if you if you try to compare it to the characters in Lord of the Rings and like I said the way they kind of mash up some of the characters, uh I can see that really bothering some people that are huge more of the okay. Rings fans. Okay. And I will, I, when I watch it, I'll message you and tell you what I thought. Um, oh, please do. That, yeah. I'm, yes. I, I, we, we might have to do a whole show on that. Yes. So now we move forward to 89 and just, I just want to say, the only thing I really want to say about the crusade was Sean Connery. He made the movie as much as I like 
Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford, I think Sean Connery outshined him in that movie. I think I'm, he. I'm sorry, he, son. They got us. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just, and, and and I did love that. Uh, what's his face came back for it. Uh, the guy with the turban. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The turban, the, the uh, yeah. Shriner's hat. Yeah, yeah. The one with the monkey. Oh, don't eat the dates. Yeah, I, uh, John Ray's Davies. John Ray's. Thank um, you. I'm 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 glad he came back. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about the movie is it's always got to be Nazis with the, with George Lucas. It's like, and you I know, think uh, Indy Indy Five is going to be Nazis again. Yeah, I don't know what it is that he, you know, I mean, I get it. He makes the Nazis look stupid, but it's just, it's like, you know, can't he find somebody else? You know, you know. Well, but they, I didn't tried that with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull with with the Russians, and well, it wasn't the Russians that sunk that movie. No, it was the, it was the spaceship that came out of the ground. I don't, I, yeah, I, look, I like watching stuff like that on TV, you know, ancient, ancient aliens and stuff like that. I find it interesting, but I don't want it mixed in my uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. It just fell out of place. If you, if Lucas really wanted to do some kind of ancient alien thing, he should have made it something original and different. Don't, don't put it, Indiana Jones is supposed to be, you know, like the Holy Grail and, you know the you know it's not supposed to be aliens from outer space. It's well, yeah, the, all the other movies they'd had like been strongly religiously based and and mysticism and stuff, and then you said, "Oh, we're going to do aliens in this one." Yeah, it's like no, no. But Crusade was, I liked it. It it, it, it was I in that that is my favorite Indiana Jones it, film. But it I think really felt like. A good bookend to the series. Yes, if it had never, if they had never done Crystal Skull, which we both can agree they shouldn't have, it yeah. would have been fine to end it that way. Yeah, it would have been fine to end it that way. Now I do know one thing that I that my intern, who I'm married to, left off my list. I forgot about to, the the. I don't know if George Lucas had anything to do with the uh, the young Indiana Jones. The he one did. that was on TV. He did. Okay. He did. Yeah. I like that yeah, show too. I, I think he was uh, executive producer on it. Okay, yeah, she 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 skipped that one because that he came out right have, after. He might Crusade. have wrote a couple episodes too. I don't remember, but I watched it when it originally ran. And I mean, uh, uh, on one of the episodes, Harrison Ford did a guest spot. Oh, okay. See, I I got to buy it. I know you can. I think it's still for sale. I don't know because Disney bought everything, so I, I I don't know if it's available, but. I don't think it's on Disney Plus, though. I don't think they put it on their streaming service, but I'll have to check. I don't know. I haven't looked. But, uh, but, but yeah, I just remember watching as a kid thinking, this isn't Indiana Jones. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, liked, I, uh, I liked the kid who played Indy in the show better than I liked uh, uh, River Phoenix's uh, young Indy. Even though River looked more like Harrison Ford than the kid on the TV show, I just... This is probably going to be unpopular, but I didn't think River Phoenix was really that good of an actor. Well, River was doing a lot of drugs back then, too. I mean, his brother is a way better actor, I think. Joaquin, I think he's a lot better than uh, River was. I'm not saying he was shitty. I just, I wasn't a big fan of... The only thing that he ever did that I truly enjoyed, like, crazy enjoyed, and will watch it once a year kind of thing, was Stand By Me. I like Stand By Me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... But yeah, so uh, did you like Crusades better than the other ones, or no? Uh, like still, I was saying, st- I go back and forth between because uh, the Temple of Doom has such a uh, 
a special place for me because that was the first Indiana Jones film I saw. And like I said, I just wore out the VHS watching it every day when I'd get home from school. And uh, and Last Crusade all the, it was the first indie film I got to see in the theater. So, I mean, uh, that also holds a special place. And, uh, and wow, they, I think Crusade is definitely a, a more adult film. Although, although Temple is more... I'm not going to say adult, but uh, it has more horrific elements. I think Crusade is more of an adult film. If that makes any sense. (laughs) No, I get it. Because, like, like if I, you know, you look at Temple, it's got a lot of funny bits, Three Stooges type funny bits, and it's got a only short round in there. That's definitely, yeah, he definitely put him in there to to track the the children. The kid, uh, kid comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. You're, the uh, crusade had more adult themes than you know because it was you know the relationship between a father and son at a stage in their life when they were older. When you're ten yeah. years old and you're looking at a father and son movie, it doesn't relate to you because you're ten and your dad's like you know thirty. You know maybe it'll relate to me when I get older. You know now you know I'm fifty now. My dad's seventy now. I understand what Indiana Jones is going through. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. So you you you. you for you, it's I guess it's depending on uh, how you feel that day. Oh, today I'm a crusade. Today, tomorrow, you know. So, well, for me, uh, and not to get too personal on it, but I didn't have a like I said, I was raised by my grandparents and didn't have a very good relationship with uh, my parents uh, growing up. So, they yeah, that movie it it hit me it hit me pretty hard, but in a different way. Okay, okay, uh, no, that makes that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. There's certain things that I can't. I didn't have the best relationship with my dad either. There are certain things that I can't. There's certain things that I can't watch because it tears me up inside because yeah. I wasn't close to my dad. Yeah, but then there's even, even though I have, I am fortunate enough to still have my dad around and and we have a great relationship now. Uh, I didn't necessarily growing up and 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 even though you know that like you said, just just those the the nostalgia and memories of uh, that stuff. You know, there there are some things. Uh, with related subject matter that I just can't watch. Hey, and not everything, not everything that happened in the eighties was uh, glorious. You know, they don't bring back glory. Some stuff doesn't bring back glorious memories. There are some things that happened in the eighties that you see, and you're like, "Damn it!" You know, now I got to go do something else to get my mind off of it. Yeah. So now I don't know if you know about this movie. It was from '94. He wrote it. I don't know. I I have a brief recollection of it. It was called the Radio Land Murders. I've never seen it. I, I remember when it came out, but I never watched it. It's like a it Luke a Lucas takes us back to the '30s when everything was radio dramas. So, and, but say, I think, like a noir film, huh? Yeah, where somebody dies, somebody got killed in the building while they were doing a show, and now they got to figure out. It's like Clue, except it takes place, you know, in the 30s when people are, you mm-hmm. know, doing radio shows. It's not a bad movie, but it's it's like I think he tried to get out of his wheelhouse of science fiction, and it just didn't work. Not that well, it's a I bad think, movie. It just uh, I think a big part for a uh, big part, big part for for him <laughs> was uh, he he, he uh, adopted his first child in '83 when Jedi come out. His wife also his wife also uh, left him that year too. And, uh, and he was heartbroken over that. And uh, he just, he said once he adopted his first daughter, he said uh, his, his 
his entire life path changed and it just uh, his main focus was his kids and he adopted two more children and then i think had had a daughter got remarried and had a daughter in the yep. uh, late 90s and uh, but he always put that at the forefront you know he wanted to be that dad that was home every night for supper and right. uh, and uh, and he stuck to that you know he still loved telling stories but but that wasn't his primary goal in life anymore right yeah, it looks like he took like a decade, you know, to write stuff and produce stuff, but, you know, stay active, you know, like you said, for his kids. Um, yeah. And that brings us to what I consider the dark times of Star Wars. And I'm going to lump them together. He had 99. Worse, worse than the new trilogy. I got to ask you that. Uh, do I, I? I actually see the new trilogy... I like Force Awakens. I didn't like the middle one. And what was it? The Last Jedi? No, yeah. The Last Jedi. I didn't like it at all. The one with Rain Rain did, uh, Rain Johnson or whatever his name is. I didn't like that one. But the last one, the last one I actually did enjoy. Only the Palpatine stuff. I'm one of those kind that I was kind of glad to see him where a lot of people are like, ugh. I thought it was cool. I thought it was interesting. I mean, I was, have all this- I was a little, I was a little on both sides about that. I was like, Oh God, they, Ryan Johnson screwed it up so bad. They're like, uh, that JJ Abrams comes back and he's like, what am I going to do here to fix this fucking mess? He left me. <laughs> oh fuck. I'll throw Palpatine back in there. He was behind I mean, it all. The Scooby-Doo I mean, ending. If, it was yeah, Palpatine I mean, it, on a log. I mean, when I was watching the movie, and, you know, when I saw it, I'm like, you know, it kind of makes sense. They have all this clone technology. Why not use it? You know, so I just What's I the, thought I went with it in the comics, too. I don't know if you ever read uh, any of them, but the uh, Dark Empire series they did. And it was with it was about Palpatine being cloned. So I was like, when I go to a movie, sometimes I try to blank my mind. out. Like you said, when I go to watch Willow, I'll blank out my mind. When it came to the star, the new Star Wars trilogy, I blanked out my mind. Now, obviously, after I walked, finished watching Force Awakens, I was like, "It's just Star Wars." He just rewrote Star Wars. It did, you know. Yeah. It was a Death Star. There. So, it, but I know he was going for the nostalgia. The well, second you know, one, George, they actually called him in as a uh, script consultant uh, at at the very start of when they were developing the new trilogy, and he very quickly bowed out of it because. They he didn't want to do a nostalgia film. He wanted to go a completely different direction with the story, use different characters and completely different characters. And Disney was like, "Nope, this sells, so we're gonna do this." And he was like, "Okay, I'm out." Right. And it, so the second one, the second one, I didn't like at all. And then the third one, like I said, I, I you know, I blanked out my mind, and it's just like, okay, this makes sense. The Palpatine is so power hungry. He's going to clone himself. So I got it. I can see everybody's point of view on how it's, oh, it's a cop out, blah, blah, blah. I get that. It, but I it didn't seem to me. It, it felt like a, it felt like a really big budget fan film. Right. And I, I'm not so, saying that def, I'm not saying that specifically in a negative tone. Uh, I don't want it to come off like that, but it, it, so much of the writing is like, Oh man, this sounds like something I'd write, <laughs> but I like the villains. So being able to see him come back, I was the redemption arc. Yes, I, I did. Yeah. Uh, I did like that about it, and uh, 
and there were, I mean, it had a lot of good moments. And even, even The Last Jedi, the first time I watched it in the theater, I was so hyped up for it. Of course, to do backing up a little bit, a little bit of backstory here. Like I said, I wasn't old enough to get to see the, any of the original trilogy in the, the trilogy in the theater because you know Empire came out the year I was born, and then I was three when Jedi came out. Uh, my oldest daughter, I was able to take her to all three of them, so I was so pumped up and excited to get to share that with her. Uh, and and she loved all three of them, and and she even like like I said, the Last Jedi, I even enjoyed that on first viewing, and she did too. And then on rewatch, I was like, every time it was kind of like Halloween 2018. Every time I'd watch it, I'd like it a little less. And I had that same experience with uh, the Last Jedi. And, and now, now I just I can I can never watch the film again. The more I think about it and think about how they misuse the certain characters, you know, right. And and we never we never when they had Disney had it in the palm of their hand, they had everybody back. Well, all the living characters, uh, living actors back, back, and they they could have gave us that hero moment where they all are in the same frame together again, and we right. never got that. Right. So yeah, it, as a whole, even though I enjoyed them, and I enjoyed, I, okay, I can't, you know, I won't say I enjoyed them. There were aspects of the Disney trilogy that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but as a yeah, whole, I'm right there with you. <laughs> but as a whole. It was disappointing. Yeah. It, lackluster, whatever word you want to use. And I, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. The ones that are like, oh, I'm Uber Star Wars fan. I thought they were awesome. I don't know. There's something wrong with you. Because even I as love much as it's in my DNA, this Star Wars. I love it. The original trilogy can do no wrong. But this just didn't feel right to me. And I don't think, you know, and some people might say, oh, well, maybe it's because Lucas wasn't involved. Maybe that is. Maybe the, the Lucas touch wasn't there. But when you go yeah. to, you know, 99, 2002, 2005 for Phantom, Clones, and Revenge, Revenge I enjoyed. Clones bored the crap out of me. And Phantom, I just, that little kid, man, I didn't like that little kid. It no. would, this, is a, this is a prime example how an actor can kill a movie for some people. Uh, Phantom Menace, you know, yippee. I just didn't like, you know, yeah, I didn't. Child actors can really do it too, because and and you can't blame them, because it's I mean it's no. so hard to find good child actors, because uh, I mean they don't know what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> no, and you can't fault them for it. Uh, right. But that being said, I, uh, right off the bat, uh, you know, and that's before Liam Neeson was even a big star. But I, I loved him in the in the Phantom Menace, and and I I thought Ian McGregor. I was like, wow, you know, this guy's. He's he's got Obi Wan down, you know. Yeah. And then we had fucking CGI Yoda. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Well, because well, in Phantom Menace, Yoda was a puppet the first time, but when he released Phantom Menace on DVD, they replaced him with CGI, and then he went CGI going forward. But the original theatrical release of Phantom, he was still. See, a I didn't even remember. Uh, yeah, I, I think I blocked out that experience for the most part. I don't remember anything about the movie. I just remember walking out of the theater. Me and one of my best friends I grew up with, that was a huge Star Wars nut too, and my little sister. We rode up there together to watch it. And, man, it was just, like I said, it was quiet walking out. We, we just, nobody said anything. Nobody coming out of the theater. It was just so, such an odd experience because everybody walking out, there was, there was, nobody was talking. There was no sound. It, I mean, just besides the credits, 
playing and it, it was just you could hear a pin drop yeah <laughs> i did it, and it about just, it it's samuel L. jackson was barely in it and mm-hmm. if he had had a bigger role maybe it would have helped but it, you know mace windu was hardly in it yeah because he was I just le- really coming in, into his own then yeah. yeah when we left the theater the biggest complaint that i was hearing from everybody was jar jar what the hell is up with that Georgia? You see, I, I found him a little annoying, but I did he he didn't stick out to me as like, oh, this this guy sinks the movie. I thought the whole movie, I thought the writing <laughs> sunk the movie. Um, and see, that's what I don't understand. How could a guy who wrote Empire, Jedi, and A New Hope do this? What was wrong? Did you know can, was he going can through I, something? Well, uh, yes. Can I try can I try to at least get you into his way of thinking from the way I understand it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, he was a dad then he had just adopted his third child. His whole life was being revolved. He had several small children. So his mind wasn't make on, uh, wasn't in let's make a very dark space opera uh, type movie anymore. He wanted to make, kids movie he wanted to make movies for his kids because that was the most important thing in his life at the time and he had small children and it was just such a big tonal shift from what we had grew up with that that's why you know all of us fans of the original trilogy were so upset with him over uh the prequels because they, it was such a big tonal shift. It was, it wasn't, the movies weren't made for us. They were made for his kids, for small children. And, and, and if you look at it that way, I can give them a little bit more of a pass. I still, I'll probably never watch them again. I haven't shown them to my kids. I've showed them the original trilogy and the, uh, and the uh, Disney trilogy, but I, I, I don't know if I'll ever show them the prequels. I, the only one that I liked was Revenge. Um, Revenge of the Sith was, I liked that one because it had those dark overtones of Empire. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't even go to the theater to watch Attack of the Clones. I was so disappointed by Phantom Menace. And okay. being such a huge Star Wars fan, I mean, I, I looking back, I'm like, how did I not go to the theater to watch that? But I, I just remember being so, so disappointed by that film that I was like, I, I really don't care what they do next. And I even thought the name was stupid, Attack of the Clones. Well, I thought Phantom Menace was a stupid name at the time, too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then I watched it. I uh, well, I think somebody bought it for me for Christmas on VHS, and I watched it. I'm like, you know, it wasn't that bad. I I kind of jo- enjoyed that. So I, I did buy. Uh, I bought. I watched the midnight first screening of uh, Revenge of the Sith. I and uh, and I'm with you on that. It was. I, I enjoyed that it was a darker film, and uh, and I thought it closed up the trilogy pretty well. I still didn't think that. The my biggest thing, what going into the prequel series, because I'm not a big prequel fan of anything. I'm not a prequel fan, period. Uh, you know, because in 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 my book, I always or in my mind, I always think, you know, well, we know how this ends up, you know. So, right. 
uh, am I just wasting my time here? And it was that way with the prequels. Uh, the, the main thing I was going into wanted to know, I wanted to see that journey that Anakin took going from being a good guy, a Jedi, to, to being somebody as evil as Darth Vader. And I, I thought, you know, wow, we, you know, that that's going to be some meaty stuff. You know, it's, there's going to, these movies are going to have a lot of meat on the bone, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of character art. And, uh, and it just didn't, it didn't explain it very well. I didn't think, and I've heard, uh, I, I have, I've watched, uh, the attack of, or the, uh, Clone Wars animated movie. And I've watched a few episodes here and there of the, uh, series, but I, a lot of people told me that it, it really fleshes that out more and, and makes it more understandable. The, uh, transition from Anakin to Vader. And, uh, and I, I probably will go back and watch those. Okay. Did you go? Did you you watched Obi Wan on Disney Plus? Yes. What do you think? Um, I I have two opinions on it. My first opinion is as from from these old nostalgic eyes, it was awesome. You know. Yes. But I felt that I didn't really him him knowing Leia. It kind of put me off just a little bit. You know, from the. Cause she never, there was never been any insinuation ever in the movies that she had ever met Obi-Wan. <laughs> and you know, at the age she was in well, the show, she did she, send she R2-D2. She sent R2-D2 to him in a new hope. So apparently she had, you know, she knew who he was. Right. You know, well, they, if just, you... they basically just fleshed that out and, and I, I could give that a pass. Well, I do believe, I don't know about the novel. I know in the, I have the audio, I have the original audio dramas uh npr radio had a back then in the 80s they did a or is it the 90s they did a a radio drama of star wars the the original prequel but it was audio only like uh john lithgow played the voice of yoda in empire um but haunts uh, luke skywalker uh, mark hamill reprised his role in star wars and empire but there are audio books right? I, I remember them I, I i don't have them but i do remember them no their dad uh uh, uh, or uh, Bail Organa, Organa told Leia to seek out Obi Wan. So if you yeah. go by the way it was written in the novels, she was told to contact him. So it kind of maybe she did know him, but I'm I, the way I look at it. I I think I don't think he ever. I don't think she ever met the man, but Disney went and well, did it. You, you never you never got that impression. Uh, from the, uh, or at least I didn't, from the uh, original film. See, that's why I, I get too much into Star Wars and I absorb everything because I saw the movies first, and then when I got the audio dramas, I was like, oh, they're more because the story, the 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 radio dramas went way more into depth. It did the whole thing where you know Luke was in, you know, Biggs comes back and tells Luke he's going to leave the Empire and join the Rebels and. You know, because Luke wanted to join the Imperial Navy and they go into more detail. They actually show, you know, you hear the story of Luke, you know, doing the races and, you know, how he could hit the Womp Ramp. So it's like it goes into more detail. Mm -hmm. So sometimes more is not better, I've learned. So, you know, like this. True. If you if I just watched the original Star Wars trilogies and then I watched the Obi-Wan show, I could put, you know, OK, she probably did meet him. But because I, mm -hmm. I read the I heard the drama radio dramas now in my head it's like but she never met him, so it like it kind of ruined it for me. So but 
it's it, but I can I I didn't like let it. Some people I know let it to destroy the whole thing for him. The whole time, no matter what. Well, I can't get into it because he knows Leia. And, you know, they're hiding in that coat, and he's on the shoulders, and they're you know. It, it, some people thought it was too goofy. It was there was too much nonsense. It didn't really fit the universe. But I, I from the nostalgia point, I liked it. I thought it could have been a little shorter, as it didn't yeah. need to be so many episodes. It, it was originally supposed to be longer, and Ian McGregor, McGregor kept pushing for it for them to trim it down. But I wouldn't mind seeing another because I know I, I've told people I said they should do another one. Why? With the story with him and Darth Vader's done. They don't meet again until it'd be he's it'd be hard Obi- for him to. But right. Uh, but they could do Obi Wan still did stuff in between because Luke was still just a child. We don't know what you know. If we just followed yeah. Obi Wan and they kept Darth Vader out of it, you know he Obi Wan could still have another season. I think if we just followed his story, I believe Darth Vader should. They should bring, yeah, especially if they bring back Liam Neeson. You know, he got that cameo at the end. You know, if they could bring right. him back, and you know, they that, yeah, Ian McGregor, Liam Neeson, yeah, that'd sell itself. I, I believe it would, I really believe it would. And I don't, uh, but I would like to see it, like I said, because Darth Vader is my favorite character, so that would, I would like to see a Darth Vader sh- show because what was he doing there? You know, we obviously yeah, know and- he was. I was well, just we saying, always... let, and, and add some more depth uh, to his character, even you know, to show that he, he's not just this big bad villain, you know, to to show you know the the his whole range of personality and, and to understand more his character arc. Because I felt there was a little redemption there in that Obi Wan show when he cracked his when he cracked him, and you could see half of his face. And, and there for a second, the blue hue. Now, and not and, just, that, that was a beautiful moment, not just because it was a, I didn't think just because of a redemption for the character, but a redemption for Hayden Christensen. He's got so much shit over the years, and I didn't, I, he, I'll agree, his acting was very subpar, especially in Attack of the Clones. Right. He was better in Revenge of the Sith, but for him to get to come back like that, you know, and, and, you know, he, he, you could tell he was very into it, you know, and, uh, and I thought he did a uh, fine job. And And, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say I didn't there in that, that final, that last episode, final confrontation, uh, that, uh, that I didn't, you know, I I got a little misty eyed there. I mean, it cause, cause Darth Vader did one last good thing. When he said, "I'm, you know, you didn't kill me, I did." Obi Wan didn't kill Anakin. Darth Vader, yeah, did. yeah, and gave and that, gave uh, gave Obi Wan that closure he needed. Yes. So it it was a, I thought that was uh, redeeming, but as we know, because I I get the comic books, so I read the new comic books uh, that Darth Vader series and stuff. He's conflicted his whole. Even after you know he, he all up until he's his death, he was conflicted. You know, yeah, he didn't. You know, like he didn't. He would still have dreams of 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 of, of his wife and this that and the other. So I could, I would like to see a show where he, you know, see a little bit of this. It, it, one season's fine. Just let's just, see just the softer in. side of Vader. Yes. You know, let's see him have a temper tantrum because, you know, he's pissed off that Palpatine. You know, I can't believe, you know, I'm just saying I think they could do something for a small, limited thing because the comic book has been going on for 
like three or four years. If they can write a comic book about Darth Vader, Disney can surely do one show. Show 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 Darth decompressing, you know, he's laying there. He's laying there in his bubble bath, hot bubble bath, and blowing suds off his hands and got some <laughs> scented candles going, you know, just just decompressing, you know. <laughs> Calgon, take me away. <laughs> <laughs> But no, as a whole, the 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 first I find, with the exception of Revenge, I find them I find them boring, especially uh, Attack of the Clones. I mean, even the the battle at the end, you know, where Django gets killed and all that, that still just didn't grab me. It didn't. There was now, too much. The Yoda, the 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 main thing that uh, the, that hooked me on that movie was the Yoda Christopher Lee Count Dooku battle because that was the. the, the that was shot great, and even that. Well, even though the CGI was lacking, just the, the just the way they framed it with you see the big shadow walking in. It's Yoda on his cane, and, and yeah, the way that goes down. I mean, because that is one thing I will definitely give George Lucas. We since Empire, I think every hardcore Star Wars fan wanted to see why Yoda. You know, they wanted to see Yoda in action. They wanted to see why he was such a badass. And and he did give it. To, he delivered there. <laughs> yes, and 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 that was the one thing that was vocal in the theater. We're sitting there; it's all quiet. And when Yoda stood there, and his lightsaber went, the entire audience in the theater was hooping and hollering and clapping because this was the moment they've always been waiting for. So yeah. that was the because so that so in, when I saw clones, that was the only scene in the movie that had an audience reaction. They went nuts. I went nuts. I was like, oh yeah. And then of course he got bit slapped in revenge when you know yeah. the emperor kicked his butt so quickly and he lost his lightsaber. I was like, man, it's like Mace Windu. He was he got blown out a window. It's like it's like Lucas builds you up and then as you know, badass you and quick, then yep, see ya. Yeah. So it's like, but I, I'm with you. I, I try, I usually maybe watch the Star Wars movies from front to back. Um, maybe every other year or so. But when I, I, I when I watch their, the prequel, I, I, and if I fall asleep, it's no big deal. But I've yeah, seen, I, I, I've seen Attack of the Clones a few times and, and Re Revenge of the Sith a couple times, but, uh, I never revisit them anymore. Um, the Disney ones, I, I I've watched The Force Awakens a few times, uh, and I saw I saw The Last Jedi uh, a couple times at the theater whenever it came out, and uh, yeah, I've watched I've watched it a few times actually. I've watched it since it uh, since it dropped on streaming, um, and I, I just quit like I was saying because I just. I just like it so much less every time I watch it. And see, that was one of my problems with the rise of the rise of Skywalker. Um, they took C-3PO and he had to destroy himself to help them. But yet at the end, he's still fixed and rebooted. And it's like Disney has this thing where, you know, you can't, everything has to end happy, you know, like yeah. why couldn't C-3PO just stay dormant, you know, have a spring, but no. Oh yeah. They've watched his memory before, you know, for uh, right. new hope, you know, he was right. Yeah. Didn't know who anybody so, was. So why not? You know, you're right. But Disney wanted him to have his, you know, everybody's hat, you know, yeah, you killed Han Solo, but yeah, you got to see his ghost, which, which 
I'm sorry when your ghost has longer hair than when you died. You know, that's bad. That that <laughs> that was terrible. Because uh, Harrison Ford had shaggy longer hair, and when he was, you know, as Han in the Force Awakens, it was I, I can see this in the uh, in the makeup room too. They're like, okay, we're gonna we think this would be a good look for you. We're gonna go with this uh, this longer hair, and Harrison Ford's like, I don't give a fuck. Just give me my chair. yeah. No, <laughs> it's crazy, but that's the thing that bothers me the most. It just it Star Wars Lucas created this massive universe. And it has slowly dissipated into people hating, you know, hating it and fans wanting well, to kill each I'd, other over I'd it. Like to ba- I'd like to blame it all on Disney, but, you know, uh, like we've just spent talking about the prequels, but we really can't. No, no. I'm a little upset that he sold it to Disney, but I guess if you want to get out, there's not much you can do. I don't think he could have sold it to somebody like, you know, I don't know if Spielberg or anybody would have been able to buy it from him. Nobody else is going to be able to uh, pony up $4 billion. Yeah. Right. So he, it was, that was his only choice. Um, could Disney have done a worse job? Yes, they could have. Yeah. I'm not totally disappointed with what they've done, but like everybody keeps telling me to to watch Andor and see, I'm one of those kind of Star Wars. I haven't watched it yet either. I don't need to see lightsabers in the force. I can see other aspects of the universe because just like in the real world, not everything is going, there's so many things going on at once, you know? Yeah. Now everything's going on in the same place. (laughs) Right. So yeah, we saw the Skywalker saga. Let's learn about other people. We don't always have, you know, hell show me a movie about the guy who designed the tie fighters and you know how he thought that was the cool, you know, I'm just saying, you know, there's other Mm -hmm. aspects of star Wars that we could do. Dis, you know, Dis, Disney has... Well, it's, it's an infinite universe. I will say John Favreau has been doing a good job. I haven't watched Book of Fett yet, but I like The Mandalorian. I'm sure you I'll mean, probably like You Andor. mean The Mandalorian Season 3? Oh, that's... Yeah, that's what I hear, but I haven't, I haven't it's watched good, it. So. It's good, It's pretty good. It's, it, it's not as good as Mandalorian. I will say this. I didn't like it as much as Mandalorian Season 1 and 2, but uh, but it, it's good. It's but good, isn't uh, The Mandalorian in, like... Three or four episodes of the Book of Fett. Most anyway. of the season, yeah, the last and half heard, of the season. Yeah, yeah. Someone told me there was one Book of Fett episode didn't even have Fett in it. Like it was all just yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So now I see why you, you know, you guys are saying season three. Yeah. So it makes sense. But it's good. It's it's good. It's good. I uh, I mean, it has some great moments in it. Uh, without spoiling too much, I mean, there's basically most of the main characters from. Uh, from Mandalorian or in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Um, but it, it does, I mean, it it ties up some of the things that he left open. Uh, what the hell? Oh, Emperor, Emperor Cripple Teen's back. Um, he's like, Jesus Christ, you guys are still talking. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, it ties up a bunch of stuff they left open at the end of Season 2 of Mandalorian. And... Uh, and it's good to see Boba Fett back. I mean, the the dude that plays Boba Fett, he's that's that's his role now. He, right. He's he's good in it, but he he has even been very vocal about in interviews about like he's like he, I really think Disney should have left him more of an air of mystery to Boba Fett. Right. And I'm like they're just they're explaining away too much and making him way too personable. Right. But I'll have to check. I'll have to check it out. But. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Definitely. 
Now, before we wrap it up, I wanted to ask you. Now, I know you weren't alive in 1978. You've made that clear. You were born when Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. Or no, Empire. Empire. Um, there was a holiday special that Star Wars did. Have you, in your life, have you happened to come across it and see it? Oh, yeah. I, I've watched it on YouTube. I looked for it for years and couldn't find it whenever I was a kid because I'd always heard about this fabled holiday special <laughs> that that Lucasfilm and, and CBS, everybody disowned. You know, it was only shown once on uh, network television. And then <laughs> and how fucking weird it was. And I, when I, once I finally watched it, I'm like, that was pretty fucking weird. Yeah, I, I could see yeah. that. You know, yeah. But uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I hated it. I was like, "This is stupid." I couldn't stand it because you know I was I. It, it wasn't. It wasn't first, Star it Wars. Ma- it had right. characters, it had ma- but it wasn't Star Wars. Right. And and then I had you know there's Maud you know singing songs in a bar. I'm like, wait, wait, that's Maud. So, and you got like, grandpa, I, got grandpa Wookie jacking off to Gladys Knight. I'm like, yep, what the yep, fuck. And those were the ugliest fucking Wookies. Oh my god! No wonder Chewbacca <laughs> never came home. <laughs> no. So it was like I didn't like it, but as time went on, I wanted to see it again. And I, and like you, I looked everywhere. I finally found. I got lucky many years ago, and I got a copy of it. That has three different versions. It's got the original version, you know, the you know ninety minutes or whatever it was, because mm-hmm. you know commercials, and whatnot. And then there's another version of the movie on the DVD that has somebody recorded it, and it has all the commercials still in it. Oh, that's when great. I watch. That's that's I the one I like watching because it because it gives you the retro commercials, so it takes you back. Not only does it take you back to a shitty time. Because you know it takes takes you back to a shitty version of Star Wars, but it takes you back to like you know oh that's a cool I remember that sandwich at Hardee's yeah so it's yeah. like so it's like you're getting there you're bored you're like this is terrible then a commercial comes on you're like oh yeah 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 let me see the commercials when I was and then kid, I had I used to carry around I had the original trilogy on VHS I had it in my Star Wars lunchbox which I still have the lunchbox and I still have Empire Empire and Return of the Jedi my grandmother had. Uh, bought for me from Columbia House Video. But the original Star Wars, I still have, and I've lost it somewhere. I have no idea where it's at now. But I had the original version still, it was still taped on on uh, VHS, that uh, ABC Sunday Night Movie. And I enjoy watching that one more than any of them, just because, you know, for the commercials and everything. Yeah, because there's a commercial on there for the Hardys to... Kale Yarborough used to have it was a pickup truck, an orange trailer, and his Hardee's NASCAR, Kale Yarborough. And there's a commercial for it. Come down to Hardee's and you can get your Kale Yarborough diecast collection. So it's like it's fun to watch. But it's yeah. got a third version of the movie. You know the guys from Rift Tracks, right? They do a Rift uh, I've Tracks. heard of them. Yeah, they they do a Rift Tracks version of the ones with the commercials. And there's like parts in there, it's like, oh, it's commercial time. Oh, good, something good's finally coming on. So it's like, it's it's funny stuff. And I just found the DVDs. I found it on eBay. Someone was selling them and I bought it. And, you know, you take a chance anytime you buy anything off eBay. But yeah. it worked out. I mean, it was legit. You know, it's still a copy. But it's not a, you know, it's it's the closest thing you're going to get. Because like you said, Lucas don't want. I think when he sold Disney, the Star Wars universe, I don't think he sold them that. I think he still has it. Do you realize as bad as it is, I think if he released it, 
I think it'd make a lot of money. Oh yeah, shit, I think yeah. If, people are gonna buy at it. this point in time, people, especially if you put some interviews on there, because there wouldn't be nothing better than having Lucas on there, you know, ripping on it, you know, and all these other people. Like I can't believe because it's awful. I mean, it is the most. I would rather go and all, I mean, all you'd have you. to, and if they could get Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford to do, uh, for the interviews, all they'd have to do is just they could pay, play like a two second clip of them going. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's Luke Skywalker's haircut's even terrible. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's like I don't know about you, but I'd rather watch Tech of the Clones again, you know, <laughs> than watch the. I mean, it's it's that bad. So if anybody's never seen the holiday special, and a lot of people confuse it, think it's a Christmas special. It was. It came out. It was like right around Thanksgiving, because mm. it but, really wasn't. You know, for me, I guess it took me so long to finally be able to see it. For me, it was so bad it was good. I mean, I laughed the whole way through. It, it, it was just so off the wall and absurd that I couldn't help but enjoy it. Every year, I watch all the Christmas stuff I've got. You know, uh, Christmas Story, all my Rankin Bass stuff, you know, Jingle All the Way. I watch all my Christmas stuff, even my old Christmas movies like Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. I watch all that stuff. I actually watch the Christmas special every year. I torture myself every year <laughs> and I watch it. And But like I said, I watch it with the commercials. So it does, like I said, as bad as it is, I remember there's nothing like remembering that day, you know, oh, Star Wars, there's a holiday special and your mom's telling you about it. And, you know, she shows you the ad and the TV guy. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. Yes. It was probably <laughs> the, it, the Star Wars holiday special is probably the biggest letdown in my entire life that I really believe that that's probably the biggest letdown. There's been a lot of shitty movies that have come out, but this is something that as a, you know, a little boy hey, of seven I'm, years I'm old. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there are little boys out there that grew up to say, you know what? I was molested by my uncle and the star Wars holiday special still <laughs> scarred me more. That's how bad it is. But yeah, I, I I thought it was terrible. But in closing, though, I would like to say that uh, I think Lucas, for what it's worth, he brought a lot of good things to to, to the world of movie making. Oh, he you know, created the, the whole the, not besides creating the whole Star Wars universe. I mean, he was at the head of the charge. Uh, you know that they they made the uh, special effects industry basically during the uh, 90s and 2000s you know they they were leaps and bounds ahead of everybody with ILM right. and THX sound even you know i mean he he always strived to be the best in anything he did and and you got to give him that and not, and even with the you know love or hate all his movies he made the movies he wanted to make regardless you know, he, he he didn't let the studios interfere with what he wanted to do, the story he wanted to tell. He always st- told the story. He he told he told the stories that were interesting to him. And if everybody liked it, great. If everybody didn't, oh well. He moved on to the next thing. Right, and in in he he in he influenced a lot of some of the people that we some of the stuff that we enjoy now are directed by people that he influenced. So yeah, I mean, he influenced so many people. Um. I like to think that we wouldn't have trilogies and stuff like that if it wasn't for him. Cause yeah, we always had sure. the bond movies, but the bond movies I always felt were just like novels. They were individual. Yeah. One off. Yeah. Right. 
where, um, you know, this was an actual, you know, a trilogy of movies, you know, so, um, I don't know how familiar you are with the, with a, uh, an animator called Ralph Bashke. He did the animated Lord of the Rings film back in the day. Oh yeah. He did, yeah like yeah. Fritz the cat. Yeah. He was trying, he wanted to do a trilogy animated, but when the family of Tolkien's family saw the version that he did, she was outraged. She goes, this is, I don't like it. So she, he couldn't do return of the King. Rankin and Bass did Return of the King. Because if you watch the animated ones, you got Rankin and Bass did The Hobbit. And then he... Yeah, did I remember Bashke The Hobbit did, animated, yeah. yeah. Then Rash Bashke did Lord of the Rings. And his version was Fellowship and the first part of Two Towers. And then he was going to do the rest of Two Towers in the Return of the King. But the family said, nope, we don't like what you did. We don't like this. It's terrible. So Rankin and Bass did uh, Return of the King. So that's why the animated trilogy of Lord of the Rings is kind of weird because it's got The Hobbit and then just two films, but they're mm -hmm. by different people. But, you know, I Lucas, if Lucas hadn't uh, done Star Wars, I don't think we would have had somebody would have wanted to take the chance because he took a chance, you know. Yeah. So in a way, as much as people love him or as much as they hate him, he did a lot for the, I, I think personally, he did a lot for movie making and like you said yeah and, and all, like i said he always did it his way and and regardless of how you feel about him you got to admire him for that yeah because i i don't make movies and i don't even know where to begin so i don't like to you know shit on people's movies or anything like that if i don't like it i don't like it but i don't like tear it up I, I try not to tear it apart too much mm -hmm. um but if you put your love and everything into it and i can tell you are passionate about what you did and it didn't do well i'm still going to have a lot of respect for you and i'll still watch the next movie that you make but you know you get directors you know who oh i just want to make money because there's people out there that do just yeah. want to make money and, and and it's like you know i don't want to see your movies anymore because they're not you're not putting in you're half-assing them and just trying to collect the paycheck Mm -hmm. So at least with Lucas, like you said, I have to, you know so much respect that he, you know, he did it his way. Where a lot yeah, of people, and, and once he started getting older, and you know his his kids were getting grown, and or uh, and uh, he just said, you know, fuck it, I want to spend time with my kids. I'm just gonna sell it. <laughs> right. And hey, if I had something in, if I had something right now that was worth four billion dollars, I'd probably sell it too. You know, get out while the getting's good. Which, uh, in interviews, he has expressed some remorse for selling it because he, he isn't terribly happy with some of the uh, the ways that the uh, Disney has handled the franchise. I mean, mainly the trilogy uh, well, they did. I've always, I've always thought that, first off, they need to get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. Because oh, God, she's, yes. She's not doing any favors to the Star Wars universe. Um, I don't well, know why it's they the values. She she's and I don't want to bring politics into it, but she's like an extreme left wing extremist, and and Disney, you see that in a lot of their stuff anymore. You know, it's like okay, you're we're beating you over the head with with our political views, and you know that's not why we watch Disney. You know, that's not what Disney's no. supposed to be about. You know, it, it's supposed to be wholesome and. And I understand, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want, that's why I didn't want Star Wars to, when I heard 
uh, Disney had bought Lucasfilm, I was like, oh, God, they're going to rape this. And I, I wasn't as disappointed as I thought I'd be. And with a lot of their products, like Mandalor, like we're talking about the Mandalorian, I really, really have enjoyed that book of Boba Fett, uh, and I'm anxious to see their new Ashoka series, and and I like the way they're going with their series. Uh, I mean, it feels it feels most of it feels like Star Wars. It feels like it's right. still in the same universe, and and that's what I want. See that if I want to see something that's if I want to see a movie that has political twist or political feel to it but they're gonna make it like throw our politics and the real world into it then i want to see a movie that's based on it you know i don't want to keep politics out of my uh disney movies now yeah yeah, you can have politics in the marvel movies because you know but like like in the x-men movie the original x-men when fox you know when fox made it there was a lot of politics in there but it was politics based out of the comic book you know, they had mm-hmm. mutants had to register. And so that 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 kind of politics is OK because yeah. it's part of the comic book. Yeah, don't base don't it in mind. reality. And if you right. are going to base it re- in reality, you sure as hell better do it very, very uh, subtly. Uh, right. Subtle. Uh, whatever the fuck word I'm looking for. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> subtlety. Uh, subtlety. Keyword. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, we don't want the. You're, the main thing is we're going to watch this stuff, whether we're going to the theater or sitting at home watching it. We want we're doing it to be entertained, not to right. have a political agenda shoved down our throats. And we especially don't expect that going to watch a kids film or a movie or a series from a, a kids movie company, something that's supposed to be geared toward kids, which makes it even worse. When you're right. interjecting politics and, and stuff that's directed at youth. But just like got- Kathleen Kennedy firing Gina Carano. Uh, I mean, she her character was very popular on The Mandalorian. And, uh, and she posted something about comparing the way that conservatives were being treated to the way Nazis treated Jews. And, and yeah, was it... Was it a stretch? Yeah, but you know, that being said, you know that was is what she posted on Twitter. She didn't say Star Wars or uh, Disney shares my views. Uh, and see, that's that, and that's the that's the, the sad part. I don't agree with what she said, but that's her personal be- beliefs, her personal life. She's an actress. She well, comes and, in, and she's not she singling sh- out any person. She's not singling out the company. Right. Right. So I don't know why Disney didn't say, hey, we don't agree with her views, but she's going to stay on the show because, well, we pay her to act. And that's all we really care about is that she does her job. Mm-hmm. Everybody now cares too much about your personal stuff. Like, I don't which, care. Which the series star, Pedro Pascal, that, that voices the Mandalorian, uh, he, he has made comments on the exact opposite end of the spectrum uh, that are way more offensive. And he's still... Uh, he still right. got his job, you know. Hell, I'm still pissed off that they fired. Uh, they fired good old Roseanne. I, I, you know, it's like, oh, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> I was so you you fire the title character of the show, and the fact that that show, and I haven't watched it since. After that, I'm not a big. I'm not one of these. Oh, I'm going to boycott this, boycott that. But after 
I found out they fired her and didn't even air the last two episodes of the season of the revival. Yeah, it... I was like, no, nah, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done. And when they brought I... it back as the Connors, I've heard people tell me that yeah, it's it's a good show still, and I should watch it. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. You know, I got too much Eesh. other stuff I can watch. See, I watched her documentary here the other day on Reels where she talked about what happened and the everything around that. And if you watch it, people out there who think that she was so evil in what she did, if you watch the documentary that they did of her, you'll understand it was overboard. There were people who were on her side, her friends, producers, people of color who were like, I didn't know the woman she was making fun of was black either. It's like she Nobody was Nobody did besides that woman. I don't even know if the woman's family knew. Right. <laughs> so it's like, right. She had any. I don't. Uh, the one guy. American heritage. The one guy who's her, her friend still who produced the show. He was like, do you realize if they hadn't fired her, the ratings would have gone up because all the people mad at her would have watched. Well, what kind of show is she doing now? And the ratings would have yeah. went through the roof. They need to. Here's the thing. Don't even make actors and actresses apologize. They're actors and actresses. We all have a, a professional life and a real life. And now that people are getting fired for their personal life, even though they, they're fully capable of doing the mm -hmm. job and getting it done, I get agitated about that. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm old and I come from a different time, but it's like, just say, hey, I don't agree with them. I, I have nothing to do with them. That's their thing. But they do a good job for me, so I'm keeping them. Instead of, oh, yeah. you're fired. Everybody's so quick to fire everybody. That's it. I don't get it. Oh, the whole cancel culture. Man, I don't I don't get it. And see, like like me and you, for instance. I'll see you post stuff on, on Facebook and I'll facepalm because I don't agree with you. Have I ever once said anything to you when you've posted no. something? No, no. Because it's... And by the way, probably most of that stuff, I've got like two or three family members on, on my friends list, and it's all for them. I am the most neutral person you will ever meet, I promise. Because I, I, this is how this is my philosophy. Yes, Facebook is an open page for all of us to see, but it's still your life. It's still your page. If I see something I don't agree with, I just keep rolling that little wheel on my mouse, and I go up. There you go. Because, yep. because we all live our own lives. I can be friends with people who are on the red side and on the blue side. I don't care because and it, and it seems like people have forgot that, right? That we I, we all but, don't have to agree, you know. Right. Every, we don't have to be. We don't have to be uh, the republic and uh, the uh, or the rebellion and the galactic empire, you right? Know? <laughs> right. I can list. I can list. I can put Cody's name at the top. It lists all these things that I see that you like, and I can say, okay, there's 50 things on here. Ten of them I don't agree with. So you know what? I'll talk to him about the other 40. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd all get along. Except for Michael J. He don't want to get along with nobody. <laughs> well, I appreciate I you. I heard that guy's a real piece of shit. <laughs> he is. There's this guy on TikTok says it all the time. Um, but no, I appreciate you doing this with me. Oh, it's been a blast. It really it's, has. I, so. I know. I, I feel know like we could, I, I could go another three hours on this. No, no. But I'm going to, I'll try to figure out something else that we could do together in the future because um, there's other stuff out there. But maybe we can do a special on Willow when I watch it, you know, 
How many people uh, who are 50 that. years old have yeah. seen Willow for the first time <laughs> at 50? So, you know, I'm a late bloomer. So, yeah. but no, I, I appreciate it. I had fun. And uh, it's nice to see you on here and not being overshadowed by Poe. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of he kind of steals the show. I'll, I'll give him that. Yes. Poe's the man, but he's also the show stealer. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. I don't even know if Michael J's still awake. He popped in that one time. You there, Michael J? Mike. 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 <laughs> Ground control to Major Tom. You know that